Adult content intended for an adult audience only as this contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of this story is purely fiction and not intended for anything but the enjoyment of the listener. If you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out. Hollow Pleasure Part 4 by Jackal 54641 Chapter 08 To be the next several days passed in a blur. Things at the apartment only seemed to be getting weirder and weirder, and Ethan was trying to distance himself from it all as much as possible, with the exception of Galloway, of course. But she was a rock. She was the only one in the building who didn't seem to be acting out of sorts. Ethan hadn't told her exactly why he was uneasy. He was afraid of what might happen if he did. But Galloway read him well, regardless, because she had shown up at his door that morning in torn jeans, looking ready for battle and carrying her bag of equipment. When she asked if he would like to spend the day with her, Ethan jumped at the suggestion, no questions asked. But now, he was starting to think that he should have asked a few questions. He had been hoping it would be just the two of them, enjoying some sort of quiet, special time together. Today was nothing like that. He sat on a canvas folding chair that smelled like camping. His toes were on the ground, pointing toward each other, and his crutches rested beside him in the grass. Ethan felt more anxiety than ever before, and to prove that, the muscles in his legs and feet were spasming uncontrollably. The silence was heavy with discomfort. Quinn sat beside him in his own chair dressed in gym shorts and a gray t-shirt. Apparently he had a rare day off. In truth, Galloway had her own reasons for inviting Ethan along, and much of it had to do with wanting Ethan and Quinn to bond more. Both were important to her, and they needed to warm up to each other so that they could eventually all hang out together without the inherent awkwardness. Which was exactly why they now sat alone, side by side, staring across a wide grassy field. The sun shone in their eyes, the air was warm, with a light breeze, and the sky was crystal clear. It was just the two of them, and Ethan didn't know how to make conversation with Quinn. He was from a different world Ethan the introverted nerd, and Quinn, who had once been the rugged tough guy. Quinn seemed to not know what to talk about either. Are you nervous? Quinn asked. Kind of, Ethan said. Me too, he admitted. Why? Ethan asked. Quinn didn't elaborate. I just am. Ethan glanced around. They weren't entirely alone. Standing in little clusters around the field, groups of state policemen milled about. Most of them were dressed in casual gear instead of formal uniforms. Some in gym clothes, and some in fatigue pants and shirts. To Ethan's immediate left stood a blonde muscular man in a black military-style uniform. He had a scar that ran from his eye down his cheek. He didn't pay any attention to the pair in the lawn chairs. He was holding binoculars to his eyes and staring at the horizon. Ethan kicked slightly at the dirt, listening to the drone of cicadas in the trees. Despite what he told Quinn, he felt an incredible anxiety. He was nervous for Galloway. He glanced at Quinn, trying to read his face. Quinn looked over and offered him an assured smile. Ethan looked away again. Quinn considered this. I'm glad Galloway has you looking out for her, 
he said, trying to sound lighthearted. I don't know about me looking out for her, Ethan replied. You do. She totally needs a friend like you. Ethan didn't say anything. I hope you don't mind me asking, why the notes? Ethan looked up, a little surprised. She told me you leave her notes. She really likes them. It puts her in a good mood. Ethan was worried that maybe he had crossed the line, but after scanning Quinn's face, saw that Quinn wasn't at all bothered by this. Apparently he didn't feel threatened. He was just curious. Finally Ethan shrugged. I don't know. It makes Galloway feel good. It's what I'd want someone to do for me. If I was having a bad day, or was scared, I'd want someone to leave me a little note. Nobody does, so I figured if I want something to happen for me, I should do it for someone else. Tell them something that I'd want to hear. It matters. Quinn looked thoughtful. He smiled and was about to say more when somewhere in the distance, they heard it. They forgot the conversation instantly. Ethan saw Quinn take a deep breath, and then he found himself taking one as well. The sound of an engine. It grew steadily louder, becoming more defined. The drone turned to a thumptumptumptumptumptumpt sound. It matched the beating of Ethan's own heart. It came fast. Astonishingly fast. One second it was just a black speck on the horizon, and suddenly the big gray helicopter burst into view, sailing over their heads with a roar that was overwhelming and deafening. Ethan felt a moment of panic at how loud it was. It flew low. Less than a hundred feet above them. The rotors kicked up the wind and whipped it into their faces. Quinn stood up at once, staring up at the copter. Despite himself, Ethan grabbed for his crutches and also clambered to his feet, shielding his eyes against the wind. The helicopter banked and circled above. The man in the black uniform with the scar watched it with a calm detachment that Ethan found reassuring. Ethan himself felt his heart pounding hard. His legs trembled, and he was dimly aware of how damp his palms were. He looked again to Quinn and saw that he was pale. His eyes looked far away as he watched. He's remembering something. The helicopter made one final pass overhead, steadied, and began to hover fifty feet above the field in front of them. To Ethan, it looked like it could have been miles above the earth. Dirt and loose grass flew in all directions, stinging his face and bare arms. But he couldn't bring himself to look away. The cabin doors on either side of the chopper pulled open. Ropes were cast out, falling to the ground, whipping around in the wind. Men appeared, two on each side, moving backwards out of the cabin. They all stood on the landing rails together, backs facing out to the world far below them. This is it, his mind screamed, and Ethan found his chest rising and falling so fast. He was breathing through his mouth to catch his breath. Quinn nudged him and pointed. He spotted Galloway at once on the right side. It was hard to miss her. Unlike the other three men who were in uniform, Galloway wore her casual jeans and t-shirt beneath her vest. Her eyes were shielded with goggles, but her maroon hair stood out beneath her cap. Her rifle was slung across her back, and she wore heavy-duty black gloves. Then Ethan's heart dropped. All four, including Galloway, were jumping. They fell backwards in unison, like scuba divers rolling off a boat. They fell fast, then their hands steadied on the rope, and their descent slowed, making them swing softly as they came down. They resembled spiders, descending on webs. There was a grace and an elegance to their falls. They dropped further and further, swaying. Quinn rested a hand on Ethan's shoulder. Ethan could feel a tremble to the man's palm. But he couldn't bring himself to look away. Then Galloway's boots hit the dirt at the same time as the men around her, and Ethan and Quinn shared a sigh of relief. The ropes were cut free, 
falling to the ground and the helicopter was roaring off. Then exhilaration overcame Ethan's anxiety. Galloway had actually roped out of a helicopter. He couldn't help but let out a cheer. She had always been so cool, but to the boy, she looked positively like a superhero. Nothing like Spider-Man or Batman. He was certain Galloway could kick their asses, because unlike them, she was the real thing. Quinn began to clap. Galloway spotted the two of them in an instant, and raised her goggles. She gave them a cocky half-smirk and began to slowly strut across the field toward them, looking like the star of an action movie. Halfway across the field, however, her cool demeanor broke and her real jubilation came out. She broke into a run. There's my men. She shouted as she dashed up to them. Ethan was first, she threw her arms around him and gave him a huge bear hug. He winced, then smiled sheepishly. That was so cool. Ethan couldn't help but blurt out. Was it? I almost peed myself, she said. Then she turned to Quinn. Catch me, lover. She threw her arms around his neck and playfully jumped into his arms. Ethan felt a little envious, but he was just glad to have been included in this whole day. Quinn grunted as he caught her and instantly cried out. Back, back, bad back. He groaned in pain as he eased her down. Sorry, are you all right? She asked, remembering. He nodded, taking a second to recover. As he did, the man with the scar approached. Galloway straightened slightly. How'd I do, Captain? She asked. Ethan eyed this man. So he was her captain. He carried himself like a soldier, and he looked tough, but his eyes seemed just a little too kind. And even though Galloway addressed him respectfully, there wasn't the type of reverence to her tone that suggested that she was nervous around him. She spoke to him like they were old friends. You did good, Kate, he said. Even for a first time? You could have fooled me. I would think you've been doing that for years. Me too. Ethan chimed in, forgetting his usual bashfulness around strangers. The captain eyed Ethan. This is my friend, Ethan, from across the hall. Galloway explained. I wanted him here for moral support. Captain Graver extended his hand. Ethan shook it nervously, but only before taking a moment to wipe the cold sweat off on the leg of his shorts. The man's palm was hard and calloused. Let's get you set up with some ropes, Ethan. Captain Graver grinned. It's your turn. Ethan paled. Captain Graver grinned wider. He's kidding, Galloway assured him. Ethan let out a nervous breath. How about you, Quinn? Want to get back up on the horse? Captain Graver asked. Quinn's response was immediate. Hell no! Even with Morgan flying? Galloway teased. She asked about you. Wanted to know how you were. If she's flying, especially hell no. It took a little while for Galloway and the group of state troopers that she was training with to finish up their exercises and go over their after-action reports. Then they packed up their gear and piled into Quinn's truck. The entire drive home, the three of them talked nonstop mostly about Galloway's jump and what it looked like, how each of them felt, what they saw, and what they were thinking. It was exciting and they were all glad to share it with each other. Galloway's side of the story was the most exciting of all what had been going through her head building up to the moment where she had to step backwards off the landing rails and into space. Regardless, the day's event had given Ethan and Quinn a lot of excited back and forth. A common expression on the ride was, And did you see when? Followed by, I know! The way the two chattered brought a smile to Galloway's lips. The guys were bonding, though they might not realize it. The sun was beginning to go down. They hardly noticed the new cars in front of the apartment building, and by the time they got inside, the banter felt as natural as could be. Are you staying for dinner? 
Galloway asked Ethan. No, I'm starting my new job at the library tomorrow, and I want to get to bed early, he explained, before thanking Galloway profusely for inviting him. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. When they told me what I'd be doing today, I couldn't think of anyone else I'd like to share that with. I'm glad you came. Ethan blushed, said his goodbyes even to Quinn, and hurried inside. As soon as Ethan shut the door, Quinn couldn't resist remarking. Oh, he's crushing on you hard. Did you see that blush? Galloway merely shook her head. Don't know why. I'm not that charming. I think I'm growing on him. Quinn smiled. As they turned to head into Galloway's apartment, a pair of footsteps came thundering up the stairs beside them. Robert Bradford from 3A was hurrying past, looking pale and nervous as ever although that could just be his normal ghost-white complexion and awkward demeanor. Galloway could never quite tell. He was gripping a wireless computer keyboard in one arm and feverishly typing away one-handed as he went. His fingers clattering over the keyboard were determined and purposeful, although without an actual computer screen in front of him, the act appeared completely mindless and insane. He brushed past them, then momentarily paused. He gave Quinn, with his beefy arms and rugged appearance, an uncomfortable glance, then looked curiously to Galloway. There was something in his stare that fell off, and it went on just long enough that Galloway was about to ask, What's your problem? But then Rob apologized and continued on his way. Sorry, Officer Wild Sherry. You just startled me. Galloway startled at that nickname. She was about to press him, but Rob was already out of sight, hurrying up to the next landing. What? Quinn asked with a bemused smirk. Wild Sherry? Galloway's expression had turned haunted. She'd grown slightly pale. She had heard that nickname before it was so amusing and outlandish that it was impossible to forget but the part that alarmed her was that she'd heard it in one of her dreams one of the bad ones where she was taken by force by a group of dangerous men, men who stripped her from her clothes and disrespectfully violated her, all the while she'd moaned and begged and craved the abuse. Something clicked into place in Galloway's mind, but she didn't understand it. How the hell? Trailing behind Rob, so silently that neither she nor Quinn had noticed him until he was literally behind them on the landing was a gangly man with glasses and dark curly hair. Galloway had met him once or twice Chris Berger from 1B. He barely looked twice at Galloway and Quinn. His eyes were looking up the stairs, following Rob. The man wasn't wearing shoes either, only socks. He's following Rob, and trying not to make a sound, Galloway's mind concluded. Everything all right there? She couldn't help but ask. Huh? Chris startled, then seemed to snap out of it. He regarded both Galloway and Quinn. I'm fine, fine. He spoke in a low voice. He's weird, right? Quinn asked, figuring Chris's following was mere curiosity over Rob's odd behavior. What's up with the keyboard he was carrying? Chris scrutinized Quinn and seemed to make up his mind about something. Then he regarded Galloway particularly the way she was dressed. Muddy military-issued boots, knee pads, a duty belt with a pistol and the type of tools that only a cop would carry, heavy tactical vest with a name patch and unit insignia, and black camouflage cap with the same insignia. Are you in law enforcement? Chris asked. It wasn't a conversational question. He sounded hopeful. Desperate. A private contracting police firm. Galloway answered. And I'm still in training. Quinn used to be a state trooper. Quinn blushed. Chris regarded the both of them, and despite Galloway's dismissal that neither of them were real police, he looked even more hopeful than before. He was weighing what she had said, and very carefully at that. Why? Do you need the police for something? Something going on that we should know about. 
For the briefest moment, Chris looked like he wanted to say something, confess something. But he seemed to think the better of it. No, he said. Before they could press the matter further, he turned and hurried back downstairs, leaving Quinn and Galloway alone on the second floor landing scratching their heads. What do you make of that? Quinn shrugged. Galloway considered it. Something is on his mind. But it looks like he's still trying to figure it out himself. I was getting that vibe, too. Both of them glanced at the ceiling above them at the third floor. 3A Robert Bradford had an army. When he was otherwise occupied, he had begun to assign tasks to his neighbors his harem. Little things that they could do to prepare for his urges and guard his well-being. After Kelsey's boyfriend had shown up unexpectedly, he wasn't taking any chances. Lucy, the chubby red-headed college student with the enormous breasts in 1A had been assigned the duty of being his protector. He was aware that such a task would be better suited to a stronger and more capable woman a warrior like Galloway, but he was still working on Galloway. And Lucy, with her sweet young face, nerdy glasses, and meek demeanor was the perfect spy to run interception on unwanted guests, because nobody would expect it. Her looks were disarming. She hardly had anything in the way of family or friends, therefore nobody that she needed to regularly answer to. And from a tactical standpoint, she was the most ideally located her front door was the closest to the apartment entrance, so she could watch for visitors and respond accordingly. Plus, out of everyone in the building, Rob had the least use for Lucy as sexual entertainment. He felt a little bad about that, because she was attractive. Her body had just the right amount of plump to it that appealed to him dowy and curvy without being too heavy. A natural redhead with huge tits and a thick ass. What wasn't there to like? She just wasn't that interesting, and didn't come with many, quirks that he could exploit. Every plaything needed a theme. Unfortunately Lucy just didn't have one that captured Rob's imagination. So, in a way, this arrangement was ingenious. This realization delighted him, but there was no time to actually celebrate. Because Lucy had come to him with urgent news Tina's parents were stopping by to talk to her about her failing performance in school. Rob hadn't been doing a good job of making sure the college girls in 1A kept up steady routines in their regular lives. It was fine for an introvert like Lucy, and a girl like Danny, whose only real family was on the other side of the world, but he'd completely forgotten about Tina. The wonder girl with the proud parents and the fixation on good grades. Rob cursed himself for not thinking that through. Tina's abrupt nosedive in school was probably so out of character for her that her parents were worried sick. And after checking things out for himself, Rob had spotted their cars out front. As soon as he reached his apartment, he hurried to his computer console and pulled up the surveillance program he'd installed. He flipped through them until he found the images for apartment 1A. There, they were standing in the kitchen, talking to Tina. Rob dialed up the volume to listen in. Indeed, they were talking about her grades and her poor attendance. Rob cursed at himself. He was getting sloppy. So that just left one problem how to counter this new development. And as Rob watched the lengthy discussion taking place in 1A between wild and exotic Tina and her stern, well-dressed parents, Rob smiled to himself. Why not? He figured. He wanted to have fun, so why not turn the tables in the most fun way possible? 1A. What is going on with you? George Weaver stood in the kitchen with his arms folded. He was resting his back against the countertop as he regarded his daughter. Tina was barely recognizable. Her hair was wild and cascading around her face like a lioness. She normally resembled her mother, with the same bronze skin, piercing eyes, and untamable hair, but today Tina's face was caked heavily with makeup. George found it, 
disturbing. She looked like a porn star, as did the outfit that she was wearing. She was dressed in a blue peacoat. That would be fine, but the top buttons were undone and her cleavage was pouring out of it. George had never seen this side of his daughter, and it disturbed him that he was able to see the creamy skin of her caramel cleavage and large full breasts. Even worse, she wasn't wearing pants. The coat barely covered her ass. She wore it like a cocktail dress for street walkers. He'd be surprised if she wasn't wearing anything at all underneath. And even more outlandish were the gray tube socks. They came up past her knees and stopped midway up her full thighs. But it left enough skin bare the highest points of her thigh visible and tantalizing. Definitely not the areas a young lady should be showing off. George didn't understand most youthful fashion trends, but even more so, he didn't understand his daughter's sudden urge to wear this particular number. Tina normally never dressed in such trampy attire. It was unsettling, to say the least. Especially for the fifty-year-old corporate accountant. The dark skin of his face was lined heavily with worry lines at the moment for his daughter. He was positive he'd have a few more gray hairs to add to the collection with his daughter's latest change in personality. Her all-around attitude seemed completely detached from reality. For the first time, Tina actually scared him. Her eyes penetrated right through him, and she seemed indifferent to any consequences, like she could do anything right now and wouldn't care in the least bit. Patricide was a word that lingered in the back of his mind for some reason. Tina folded her arms across her chest, and her tits seemed to jump that much more out of her coat. I've just discovered that there's more than just school, Dad. She shook her head and glanced at her mother. Belinda apparently didn't share in her daughter's rebellion either. She glanced unsure between her daughter's unwavering stare and George's scowling insistence. Yeah, like your future. George's hard face didn't yield. What you do now matters, because when you're old and living in a dump, you'll be thinking back on these days and wondering why you didn't try harder. Why you let your grades go down the toilet. Why you wasted your parents' money for classes that you haven't been at in over a week. And why do you have to say that you traded it all to dress? George waved his hand over whatever outfit this was supposed to be. What? I think it's sexy, don't you think? Tina tugged at her collar, making her tits jiggle and jump. She gave a playful little spin and offered a naughty grin to her mother. Belinda's yellow exotic eyes widened, then darted away shamefully. She didn't chime in. Belinda was from an older world where she learned at an early age to be mindful of the words that came out of her mouth. She'd been taught that prudent silence was wise. It looks like something a whore would wear. But is it sexy, Dad? Tina grinned. Her bright cherry-painted lips spread wide, and her dark smoky eyes seemed to burn right through George. George felt in sickness in the pit of his stomach. He didn't like the way his daughter just looked at him. There was something, lusty and lewd about her. Do you like it? I just said you look like Dash. That didn't answer my question. You can like how whores dress, Dad. Tina smirked. George shared a bewildered glance with his wife. His face contorted with a mixture of baffled emotions. Is it drugs, Tina? Did your new roommate get you hooked on something? Now Belinda chimed in. We're worried. Do we need to have an intervention? Tina leaned her head back to the ceiling and sighed. Oh my god! You guys need to lighten up and have fun, already. George didn't miss a beat. I'll have fun when I see that my daughter is back on the right path with her life. Tina glanced into the living room and sighed dramatically. Look, Danny has to do a FaceTime with her brother shortly. She needs her privacy. The corners of Tina's mouth tilted in the ghost of a smile that could have been, wicked? Why don't we discuss this in the bedroom? 
she said, and before George or Belinda could even agree, Tina started toward the door. Her legs strutted and her hips popped tantalizingly along the way. One aide Danny Esposito ignored the ruckus in the kitchen. Tina's parents were over and grilling her about her change in attitude, attire, and failing grades. But she wasn't thinking about that now. She wasn't thinking about much else other than the clock on the wall. Tina redirected the discussion to the bedroom, leaving Danny alone on the living room sofa, in her zip-up hoodie, and innocent-looking floppy socks. But tonight was far from innocent. Her tablet rang a minute later, and she answered it excitedly. Her brother's face flickered into view, excited at what tonight would bring. Hey, sexy. Danny cooed out with her squeaky, high-pitched voice. Hey, baby. Bill smiled back. The siblings had been having these date nights regularly now every night, since Bill and Danny first began to masturbate for each other via FaceTime. I've thought about this all day, Bill said. He was laying on his back on the cot, his head propped up and his shirt off. The muscles in his arms were bulging. Danny admired her brother. He looked tasty. We have to be quiet about this. Danny glanced over her shoulder. Tina's parents are here. Bill looked surprised and a little rattled. Right now? She nodded, but bit the tip of her finger, clearly turned on. Should we postpone this? Danny shook her head. I've waited too long for this. I can't wait anymore. I'm too turned on. She admitted with a softening of her voice. Bill settled back on his cot but still wore a nervous expression. You're so bad. Well, we should get in the habit of being discreet, Danny admitted. I mean, how are we possibly going to get through Christmas parties, or nights out with friends? Bill licked his lips. Danny's suggestion stirring something in him. He adjusted the tablet so she could see all of him. He wasn't wearing pants either. His cock was enormous. He was hard, and his meaty paw had wrapped around it. He'd begun the slow act of imagining that his hand was his sister. That thought alone fueled Danny. She took one more nervous glance back toward the kitchen and unzipped her hoodie all the way down to the bottom. She had no bra beneath. She pulled it open just enough to tease her brother. He could see most of her tits and flat tummy, but not all. That's going to be torture, Bill admitted. Being around you with other people we know. Looking at you all night. Sharing little glances and pretending we're just innocent wholesome Bill and Danny. I don't know how I'll keep my hands off of you. Danny smiled sexily as her hand disappeared beneath her shorts. I probably won't. I think I'll be terrified, Bill admitted, his stroking becoming faster. You should be, Danny said. Imagine me jerking you off under the restaurant table in front of all our friends. Holy shit, Bill moaned excitedly. Danny watched the way his big heavy balls move with each pump of his manhood. She spread her legs, showing Bill just how lively her hand was moving against her wetness. Her shorts were tiny. Bill could see up the legs of them to his sister's sweet pussy the place he was longing to be right now. Pretending you're eating, all the while my hand is pumping you like crazy. Danny continued to tease. She let out a giggle as she saw the pleasure and excitement cross her brother's face. Danny, you're already driving me crazy. Maybe I'll even drop my fork. Danny suggested. I'll drop my head into your lap while I look for it, and I'll suck you so hard and fast. Bill moaned. She was really getting to him. Good, because she was so wet. A spreading damp patch appeared in the crotch of her gray shorts. Her hand worked faster. Oh my god, I'd be terrified someone would see. And what would they see? Danny teased. Your sister aggressively sucking your dick right there in public. Think they'd freak out? Of course they would. But Bill's hand didn't relent.
He was pumping himself in fast, steady strokes. His eyes shut. He was moaning softly. Danny giggled. Then I'd better be quick about it. What if I don't finish in your mouth? Would we sneak into the bathroom? I could pin you against the wall and bounce you on my cock. You in a public restroom? Danny was enjoying teasing him. What kind of girl do you think I am? Okay, okay, the car in the parking lot then. You could say you forgot your phone out there, and we'll go get it. I could toss you in the back seat and we'd rock it so hard, we'd completely destroy the suspension. Like a cheap hooker? Is that how you see me? Danny's fingers were gliding easily in and out of her body. Her nipples had hardened, and as she pinched, she tried not to moan too loudly, lest she alert Tina's parents to her newfound relationship. Danny, please. Bill's strokes were slowing out of his own frustration. Poor Bill. Danny decided to give him a thrill. I'd do no such thing. If you didn't come in my mouth while I suck you, I'd keep jerking you at the table and make you come in one of those dressing cups. Put a big load right in my ranch dressing. You and all our friends would watch me dipping my fries into your cum. But only you and I would know. She winked and giggled naughtily. Oh my god! Bill's cock gave an excited spasm and his fast eager strokes returned to full speed. Yeah, you like that? Danny purred. That's so wrong. Bill admitted. Just hope nobody asks to dip into it. She giggled. They'll get a salty surprise. Fuck. Bill gasped again. Mmm. Danny's expression turned thoughtful. Wouldn't that be hot, though? Unsuspecting friends eating your load that your own sister stroked out of you. Danny, you're driving me nuts. Bill panted. I had no idea you were so... Dirty? Danny giggled and opened her hoodie, giving her brother a flash of her chest, before resuming her aggressive fingering. Yes. Goddamn. You have no idea how dirty you make me, Bill. Danny bit her lip again. She propped the tablet on the coffee table and knelt on the couch turning away from the screen, facing over the back of it. She slid her shorts down to her knees and shook her bare ass at him. Her perky butt and wet pussy facing her brother as she presented herself to him. All the while her fingers continued their dance over her folds. In this position she could tease her brother and watch for any parents who might be coming from Tina's room. Although, she suspected that might not be a problem. She pulled her long hair to one side and peered back at him over her shoulder. Bill had also taken the cue. He was on his knees on his cot, thrusting his hips forward and pumping his manhood in his fist as he stared at his sister's ass. Fuck me, Bill. Fuck me just like this. Danny moaned softly as she wiggled her ass back and forth. Her hips moved with one single-minded goal as her fingers drove in and out of herself. God, you make me crazy, Danny. Bill moaned. I don't think I could ever stop fucking you. Me either. Do me. Do me, big brother. Show me how badly my man wants me. Danny responded. Her head tilted upward, her eyes closed. She looked sexy and angelic. A dark-haired princess. Bill was going crazy. He never wanted anything more in his life than to reach through the screen, grab his sister by the hips, and drive his rod straight into her tight, perfect body. When he told her so, she cooed in that high sweet voice of hers. God, yes. He grunted through his clenched teeth. I don't even think we're going to make it to any parties. Bill grunted. I don't see us ever making it out of the house. Not even to Christmas? Danny moaned, bobbing her body back and forth as though he was fucking her from behind. Her fingers plunged in and out of herself. It wasn't enough. She doubted it would ever be until her brother was actually inside of her. More and more she was starting to feel like her body, her pussy, 
Her lust was only for Bill. Especially not to Christmas. He grunted, thrusting back, nearly pressing his cock to the screen with each lurch of his hips. Too bad, she groaned. The thought of Santa disciplining a naughty girl like me beneath the Christmas tree sounds fun. That I can do in our own place, he moaned. But wouldn't it be so hot, visiting with friends, and fucking in another room, on top of the coats or soothing? She teased. Playing with your Christmas presents sooner than you should? Jesus, Danny. What are you going to get me this year? She let her tongue flick over the tip of her finger. Her other hand working quickly. Her hips teasing him, taunting him as she brought herself to the brink. What do you want, Dash? You know what I want. I want your load all over me. She moaned. She cracked one eye and peered over her shoulder at the tablet. His giant cock was thrusting back and forth toward the screen. His fist pumping like crazy. Drops of precum were flying from the tip. Danny could almost feel them landing wetly on her bare ass and thighs. His cock was visibly pulsing. Oh, fuck. I'm going to. Yes. She hissed, delighted. Give me an early present. Then she moaned and whimpered sweetly. She couldn't hold back anymore. Her whole body tensed, then began to release in a series of wonderful spasms that took hold of her and carried her like a surfer on the crest of a wave. A moment later and she heard Bill gasp and cry out in delight. Then his cock completely exploded. It showered the screen with rope after rope of hot cum Danny bit her lip hard enough to hurt. She desperately needed to feel that hot seed spurt all over her ass and pussy and legs. God, I wish you were here. She moaned through their orgasms. Me too, he echoed. For one moment, they forgot they were brother and sister, and there was something oddly sweet about two young people yearning for each other on opposite ends of the world. The feeling carried Danny through her orgasm, and she briefly felt as though she was falling. Then she collapsed on the couch in bliss and stared at the screen. A blurred mess of sticky white had coated pretty much everything. She could still hear Bill grunting in pleasure and disbelief. Ah. Wow, you made quite the mess. Danny giggled. You made me make this mess, he replied. I bet it makes the perfect filter to see me with, she remarked. You look very sexy covered in cum, he admitted with a sigh. As long as it's yours. Her fingers trailed over herself in post-orgasm euphoria. She was still trembling and covered in goosebumps, but was coming down off the high. Danny, when you say things like that it drives me nuts. Because it's wrong? Because it's so right. God, I wish I was there with you right now. Me too, she smiled. But you better go clean up that mess so we can do this again tomorrow. He laughed. You got it. Love you, Danny. Love you too, big brother. She winked and kissed the screen of her tablet. One B. Chris Berger was working quietly in isolation. He'd found the cameras. At some point, that sick bastard Rob must have installed cameras in his apartment. They were small, wireless, and designed for concealment. Chris knew it sounded paranoid. They're watching me, was something that complete lunatics insisted. But he worked with enough electronics to know exactly what they were. And there could only be one person responsible. Chris had done some investigating and discovered them all over the building in the hallways, in the basement, on the landings. He had to be discreet in his searches, because if there was any indication that he'd found them, Rob, with whatever weird mind control powers that he'd acquired, would wipe Chris's memory and he'd be back to square one completely oblivious that he and TJ were his sex slaves. The worst part was TJ. Not only did he need her to remain completely oblivious, for their protection, but he needed to avoid her as much as possible. 
If Rob got the itch again for another romp with Chris's wife, and he inevitably would, if Chris was anywhere in the area, he'd once again become Rob's mindless plaything, and when it was all over, he probably wouldn't remember his discovery and all the progress he was making in uncovering the truth. For his own projection, Chris had exiled himself to a dark and unused area of the basement. It was nerve-wracking work, evading Rob's cameras and picking a room that Rob would most likely not waste a camera to cover. Chris had considered the root cellar that went deep underground as the most viable office, but his wireless signal wouldn't penetrate the dirt and stone, and one look down there had thoroughly creeped him out. Instead, he opted for a small utility room with a dirty workbench and spent the day toiling away. TJ didn't know he was even home, and it broke his heart. It also made him worry, was that scumbag using his wife right now? Was she currently in the throes of some dirty and depraved passionate sex without even knowing it? Was she bouncing on the bed, screaming like a banshee while an army of strange men off the streets waited in line to violate her? As Chris worked, he found himself clenching his jaw hard enough to give himself a headache. But eventually, his hard work paid off. Aha, he declared. As he expected, the cameras were wireless. Therefore, they had to have a signal to connect to, in this case, the apartment's wireless router. Given Chris's extensive computer knowledge, hacking into Rob's unit was child's play and from there he, oh my god, he muttered to himself as image after image flickered into view. Robert Bradford was a sick man, and this proved it. Dozens of video screens opened up in a high-tech surveillance program. Chris recognized most of the video images as angles around the apartment building the hallways, the basement. Chris thankfully wasn't in view of any of those. He even spotted images from his own apartment shots of the bedroom, the living room where TJ was currently practicing her yoga, even the bathroom. Chris groaned inwardly. It seemed that Rob had turned the entire building into his personal playground a high-tech studio of candid pornography for the voyeuristic peeping Tom. Between the cameras and his weird ability to control people's behavior, minds, and actions, it seemed that the quiet author had built himself quite a demented little kingdom. In a way, it was a relief to see that Chris and TJ weren't the only victims. But in a way it was also horrific, because this man was meddling in the lives of dozens. How long had he been doing this? How long would he continue to do this? How did he even acquire this power? Every apartment was more of the same. 3B was quiet and dark. In 2A, the kid with the crutches was just getting home, speaking with his mother. In 1A, it looked like family members were visiting with their daughter and having a serious discussion. The only apartment, aside from Rob's 3A, that wasn't covered with video cameras was 2B. The cops that Chris had spoken with in the hallway. Chris wasn't sure what to make of that. Maybe they were in on it. Or far more likely, Rob was keeping them at a distance out of fear and self-preservation. They'd both certainly seemed to be of sound mind, and had even said a few things to hint that they had very little association or knowledge of Rob. That was good news. Chris wasn't entirely sure just yet, but his instincts told him that he could trust them. But that didn't help him either. He needed a way to convince them of what was happening in the building without sounding like a crackpot. Hey, your neighbor is controlling people's minds and making them have sex with him, and he's doing it all with the touch of a keyboard. Furthermore, he's always watching us. He would lock himself up if he hadn't seen the truth, firsthand. This camera setup might be the smoking gun that Chris needed to prove everything. Regardless, he needed to be on his toes now, because he was seeing something that he was definitely not supposed to be seeing. And if Rob got wise to him, Chris's mind would be turned into jelly. He needed to come up with a fail-safe way to ensure he was always in the loop of safety tethered to the outside world. 
alone in the basement, Chris began to type. It was a note to himself, a reminder of everything he learned, and proof of what was going on. He set it with a timer that was meant to go off daily. It might torture him in some kind of endless loop, but it was the only way. When he was done, he returned his attention to the cameras and almost choked on his own saliva. What are they? Oh no no no! He watched in shock. The camera showed a view into the bedroom that the college girls shared. The bedroom was sparsely furnished with cheap hand-me-downs, and lit with the soft glow of string lights. But the room was occupied by the college girl the exotic one with the hourglass frame and the crazy cat-like eyes. Her parents were in there with her. They looked a lot like her in different ways the father worldly and dark-skinned. The mother with the same hair, eyes, and caramel complexion. It wasn't hard to figure out that they were her parents. But what was happening on the screen was anything but family-friendly. The father, George Weaver, was sitting sideways on Tina's bed. His head propped against the wall. An expression of horrified disbelief plastered across his face. His legs dangled over the edge of the bed. And knelt between them, Tina's head was bobbing slowly up and down. Her hair was masking most of what was transpiring, but she pivoted her head a moment later, and Chris saw her father's cock out of his pants, jutting straight up at the ceiling. The college girl took a moment to drag her tongue along the length of his shaft all the way up to his large dark head, in one long sensual, almost animalistic lick. Nearby, the mother Belinda was seated on the opposite bed. Her blouse was open. Her chest was rising and falling, and her hand was inside of her shirt, squeezing and fondling her own breasts as she watched the sinful act of her daughter fellatiating her husband. The entire scene was otherworldly. Chris felt a rush of guilt and fear for his own soul from just watching. This carnal act confirmed one thing to him that Rob was home, in his apartment right now, and watching, pulling the strings to make his puppets do the most unspeakable act that family members could do with each other. Chris found an audio feed and when he clicked it, it did not make things better. Tina's husky voice echoed softly through the laptop speakers. Oh daddy, I'm such a bad girl, but I think you like bad girls. Between each breath, she took a long lick at his cock, like she was sucking on a frozen treat. In fact, I know you do. She giggled and gave his cock a light slap. It wobbled from side to side like a flagpole in a windstorm. Bad daddy, she said before she resumed her sucking. Her movements were completely fueled by sexual desire. Every moan, every breath, and every movement was entirely meant to entice her parents. Her father moaned in guilty shame, and Chris wondered if George was being influenced at all. His shame, his horror, his surprise looked authentic. Tina bobbed her head on his hard shaft, leaving smears of red lipstick along his length. She pushed her nose to his stomach and swallowed him in one easy motion. George gasped. His expensive wingtips lifted off the floor and his head came off the wall at the sensation of his own daughter pushing his cock down her throat. All the while, Tina's mother watched like she was in a hypnotic trance. Her hand roamed her body. Her full breasts jiggled as she fondled herself. Her chest wasn't as large and perky as Tina's but it was full and appealing. Her tight professional pencil skirt had ridden up and her hand disappeared between her stocking-clad thighs. On the floor, Tina opened her slutty peacoat, revealing her bare breasts to her father she'd been naked beneath it. George gasped when he laid eyes on her big round boobs. That's right, Daddy. Tina cooed around a mouthful of cock. You can think it. I don't mind. In fact, you can even say it. I'm a slut. Her head only bobbed harder. George moaned in shame, his eyes shutting in embarrassment and self-loathing. Say it, she barked. 
The way that her eyes pierced him, George stiffened, suddenly afraid of his daughter. You're a slut. George choked out the words. That's right, I am daddy. Tina giggled softly in delight as he acquiesced. Her mouth roamed his member. She ran her lips up and down one side, then up and down the other. Her mouth wet and luscious. George could only watch the way his daughter sucked his cock her mouth practically basting it. When her lips reached the head again, her hair blocked out his lap completely as her mouth plunged down around it. As he watched, Chris caught himself with his hand on his crotch. His cock was stiff to the touch, and he was embarrassed to realize he was touching himself to the sight. But the scene was the most erotic thing he'd ever witnessed, and he sort of understood how Rob could become obsessed whatever power he had. George was gasping in reluctant pleasure. Several times he tried to come to his senses and pull her off of him, but each time he did, Tina only gobbled him up with more eagerness and aggression than before. She grabbed her father's hands and put them on her head. Punish me, daddy. She urged him as drool ran down her lips and onto his shaft. George moaned as his hand ran through his daughter's wild dark curls, but he couldn't hold back. He held her head and pushed his daughter's face down around his cock until she choked. She only moaned in pleasure and cried out for more. George wrestled with his conscience, although hardwired testosterone-fueled lust won out. He grabbed her hair hard, pulled and bounced her head up down the length of his cock. He was aggressively fucking his daughter's head, and she was responding with eager unbridled enthusiasm. When she finally came up for air, her mouth hung open. Instead of wiping the slobber from her mouth, she ran her tongue in a circle completely around her lips as she stared up at the mystified face of her father. He was gaping in disbelief. There's a lot of things you didn't know about me, Daddy, she said in a low sexual growl. For example, she peered across the floor at her mother, still touching herself beneath her professional attire. I go both ways, she grinned. She shrugged off her peacoat, pivoted her hips and strode over to her mother. Tina didn't so much push Belinda back on the bed as much as tackle her. As soon as Belinda was on her back, Tina nearly pounced on her mother, straddled her, and tore her blouse right open. Buttons went flying in all directions. Before either parent could recover their wits, Tina was lay on top of her mother, pinning her with her thighs, and pressing her mouth against her mother's. George watched as mother and daughter shared a long sensual kiss. When Tina finally came up, her tongue took a long lick of other mother's upper lip. She exhaled a sigh that sounded more like a hiss. How's your husband's cock taste? She whispered to her mom. Belinda looked genuinely afraid. So did George but not enough to resist stroking his cock as he watched his daughter and his wife begin the act of grinding their bodies against each other's thighs. Their legs were in a tangle as Tina made her way down her mother's body to her boobs. She cupped one, finding the nipple and slurping noisily at it. Oh, mommy. I used to suck these, didn't I? She taunted in that same voice, hissing with unbridled lust. Belinda could barely respond. Just a series of gasps and uncertain moans but her body was certainly responding to her daughter's assault. Her hips were bucking, rubbing her snatch against Tina's thigh as her skirt was forced up around her hips until she was practically wearing it like a belt. Her black panties were visible. Her stockings stopped at mid-thigh. The two women were writhing in excited pleasure. The debauchery was too much to interrupt. George watched, transfixed by what his own family was doing. Eventually Tina peered up, even as she playfully pinched her mother's nipple between her teeth. She waggled her finger at her father. Come here, daddy. George obeyed, no longer the master of his family. When he stepped forward, Tina grabbed him by the tie and pushed his face into Belinda's other breast. 
he landed with a muffled oof. His mouth immediately found his wife's tit, and he latched onto her nipple, sucking it excitedly. Belinda was crying out like a mewling kitten, her husband and daughter breastfeeding from her chest in unison. Tina stared at her father the whole time as they sucked, and finally, as Belinda reached the apex of her desperate cries, Tina grasped her father's head and brought him in for a long incestuous kiss. He was too shocked to stop her, as her tongue rolled into his mouth and youthfully played with his. He knew it was so wrong, but he was powerless to resist his daughter's sexuality. They made out in front of his wife's gasping face. And when Tina broke the kiss, she tossed George onto the bed beside his wife with a strength that neither of her parents knew she possessed. George could barely react before Tina was mounting him. Daddy, I want to ride the same cock that made me. She squealed in delight, and the way she said the words seemed to almost snap George back to reality. He was about to have sex with his own daughter. He made to get up, but suddenly found his arms pinned above his head. Belinda had recovered her senses and was holding him down on the bed. Then Tina was straddling his lap and grasping his cock. George struggled for a second as his cock was guided toward its impossible destination. Then pleasant wet warmth, and he groaned in mournful defeat. He was inside of his own flesh and blood. Tina moaned in delight. Oh yes. She sank back on her father, and his cock went deep into her pussy. Belinda continued to hold George's hands on the pillow as she hovered her full chest over his shocked expression. She mashed her tits into his face as Tina began to ride. Just enjoy it, Daddy, Tina moaned. Isn't this what you wanted? She started to buck her hips, her tits bouncing in time with her juicy but that swallowed him up. Isn't this what all protective fathers want? To secretly fuck their daughters? George's protests were muffled by Belinda's breasts mashing against his mouth. As Tina rode him, her mother took a moment to slip off her panties. Then she swung her leg over George's head and pressed her wet pussy lips to her husband's mouth. He barely had time to gasp before she was rubbing her slit against his mouth, working her hips and humping her sex against his chin. Mommy likes it, Tina panted. Her curves jiggled in time with her fucking. Her bounces so fierce and up and down that the bed bounced them like a trampoline. Tina and her mother reached to each other's chests, cupping their breasts touching, rubbing their delicious melons. They squeezed and massaged. They pinched and pulled at hardened nipples until they had each other squealing. All of them were panting. George's vocalizations were muffled against Belinda's aggressive humping of his face. He could have been moaning in pleasure or protesting in horror. They had no way of knowing. Not that they would have stopped either way. Eventually Belinda began to cry out. Her sounds were animalistic and high-pitched. She bucked her hips on her husband's face in a mad blur. Tina grabbed her mother by the back of the head. She pushed her mom's face into her chest and feed her boobs to her. Mom, who knew you were such a slut? Tina shouted in delight as her mom sucked her tits. Belinda couldn't stop herself. Her orgasm was so intense that her body shook, and in her lust, she bit down on Tina's nipple. Tina moaned in ecstasy. The slight pain sent her into her own convulsions. Both mother and daughter climaxed in unison on top of George. When they came up, panting for air... Tina's fucking became more frenzied and aggressive than ever. It's your turn, daddy. She said the words slow and loud, to make sure he'd hear. He grunted, his voice still muted by Belinda's body. But he was all too aware that his cock was not protected. It's okay, daddy. Tina continued to moan. Maybe I don't need to go to school. Maybe I could be the mother of your child. At that suggestion, George suddenly stiffened in fear. They could almost hear the alarm in his muffled voice. Come inside of me, daddy. 
she cried out, bouncing eagerly. Her juicy curves jiggled and swayed. Her curly hair bounced and cascaded around her shoulders, her face, slapping her cheeks and hiding her wild eyes. He grunted in a panic. His feet kicked at the sheets, trying to get away. But was his heart really in it? Belinda helped to hold him down as Tina worked her pussy aggressively up and down her father's shaft. You're going to make such a good daddy, aren't you? Tina moaned. She tossed her head back and moaned. She cupped her own breasts and yanked her nipples. George urgently beat his hands against the mattress. He was close to the brink. Tina felt it too. Yes, do it, daddy. Bless me with a baby. Her wide hips were a blur. She was sitting down on him fully now, and just bucking her hips forward and back like she was riding a steed at a full run. I want your cum. George's whole body went tense. His hands gripped the sheets in tight fists. He's trying to hold his orgasm back, Chris realized as he watched the unspeakable act unfold on the monitor. One hand on the mouse, the other on his shameful erection. Then George cried out in defeat. His moans turned to a mixture of pleasure and despair. Yes! Tina shrieked out triumphantly as she felt her father fill her womb. She grabbed her mother by the back of the head and locked their lips together in a celebratory kiss of passion. You're becoming a grandmother and a mother right now! Tina cried out, driving the point home of how terrible they were all being. Then their mouths opened and their tongues wrestled together as both women moaned and writhed and bucked and bounced on George's shaking body. There was a lot. The man must have been very sexually repressed, because his semen ran from Tina's pussy, down his shaft and over his balls, dripping onto the bedspread. Her deep tan ass and inner thighs were coated with a wet mess of cream. And still Tina rode him, making sure to milk every final drop from her father's balls just for good measure. George no longer seemed to be fighting it. His body dropped in shame and defeat. As Belinda dismounted her husband's face, George's expression was one of what have I done. Chris couldn't hold back anymore. Horrible scene or not, he needed to release the pressure in his aching balls and throbbing cock. Alone in the basement, he ejaculated on the dirt floor, hating himself for doing it, but knowing he wouldn't have been able to concentrate on his sleuthing if he didn't. When he returned his attention to the monitor again, the family had redressed. Tina was beaming like the cat that had just caught the canary. Belinda looked like she'd snapped out of her trance and stood confused and disoriented. George was wearing a mask of shame and guilt, even as he pulled up his pants and led his wife from the apartment. Chris knew his expression was authentic. He had fucked his own daughter and hadn't been brainwashed for a single second. This poor man had been coherent and aware not under some spell or mind control. Only his own guilty lust and arousal was to blame for what he'd done. And now he would live with that shame and self-loathing for the rest of his life. Meanwhile upstairs, a mastermind had deliberately orchestrated it all, deliberately making the father a victim of his own urges. That was true sadism. Rob needed to be stopped. 2A When Ethan got home, he felt light and airy, his heart pounding with excitement. He felt better than he had in a long time, maybe ever. Not only had Galloway invited him to hang out, but she'd done something so heart-pounding and cool, and he'd gotten to be a part of it. True, Quinn had been there, but Quinn was all right. And after that little stunt with the helicopter, Ethan felt, not just included, but that he was somehow an essential cornerstone to a group. That had been something he'd struggled with his whole life not feeling included or that he needed to be, well, anywhere. There were obvious reasons for that but as he walked through the front door of his apartment, he didn't even remember that he had crutches. 
and he was pretty sure that Galloway and Quinn had completely forgot that he had them as well. That feeling alone was heaven. Hey mom, I'm home, he called out pleasantly. His anxiety of the past few weeks was forgotten. Even that strange night with his mother in the doorway felt like a dream. And maybe, just maybe it was. It was as though the events of today had cast all the weirdness out, like opening a window on a warm spring day the stuffiness and cobwebs had vanished. Today was a reminder that there was a real world outside of this building, and it was so much cooler and more interesting than the problems he faced here. He felt good. Hey, sweetie. Her familiar voice from the bathroom. He could hear the fan running. She'd probably just had a shower. Where have you been? How was your day? She asked, surprised that he was home late again. Oh my god, he said, dropping his keys off in the entry and struggling out of his shoes. It was the coolest of day. He rambled excitedly about everything while his mother puttered in the bathroom. When he was finished, Meg called back. Wow, it sounds exciting. It was. What about you? How was your day? It was great. There was a slight pause. I have a little surprise for you. Ethan froze. The anxiety was back. There was something in her voice that worried him, and he also found the shameful tensing in his pants coming back. What sort of outfit would she step out in today? How would she reveal herself to an already awkward son contending with? Lewd thoughts. When the bathroom door opened, Meg stepped into the hallway in a robe. Her hair was wet, but Ethan could immediately see what the surprise was. Mom! Maggie flashed him a smile and fluffed her hair. Do you like it? She had dyed her hair from its normal bouncy shade of blonde to a deep artificial maroon auburn just like Galloway's. Ethan wasn't sure what to make of this new look. He'd become fixated on Galloway's hair color ever since meeting her. But now his mother was trying to mimic her. Granted, Meg looked amazing with that color, but there was something about her gesture that felt wrong. And the other question was why? For what purpose did she impulsively change her hair? Ethan resisted the urge to tell her that he liked her hair the way it used to be because that was his mother. But she was beaming, and Ethan didn't want to hurt her feelings. Clearly she wanted his approval, perhaps too much. It looks great mom, very wild. She bit her lip and smiled. Thanks, sweetie. Could I pass for your new friend? Maybe some police gear and boots. She winked. Ethan felt himself getting red. Uh, I guess so. His cock was resisting his brain lengthening against his leg. He willed it back under control. Are you almost done in the bathroom? I need a shower badly, he admitted. The helicopter had kicked up a lot of field dust and loose dirt. Ethan was caked in it. Not to mention the cold sweat he'd been in, watching Galloway's training. He dusted some dirt from his pants to hide the growing bulge. Um. Meg paused, looking suddenly guilty and apologetic. About that. When I was showering the dye out of my hair, I may have, accidentally, broken your shower bench. Her eyebrows pinched together, and she dragged out the words, almost like she was afraid he'd yell at her. Incidental to his disability, Ethan needed to shower sitting down. It was the only way he could do it without slipping or his legs giving out. He had a bench that was fitted for the tub. But the bench was sturdy aluminum and plastic. Ethan sighed. Mom, how'd you manage that? I'm sorry. She pouted. It just happened. I slipped, I put my weight on it, and it cracked. You've had it for years, so maybe the plastic started to weaken with time. Despite the news, it couldn't possibly ruin Ethan's mood. He allowed a smile to cross his lips. Are you saying I'm getting fat? Meg sputtered laughter. Never. 
It's fine. We were probably overdue to replace it. Ethan made his way into the hallway and peered into the bathroom. The tub was a bit too small to take a bath, and Ethan didn't much want to. He hated feeling like he was stewing in his own filth. I guess if I'm careful, I could shower with my crutches. Now Meg looked unsure. Do you think that's a good idea? She asked. I don't want you to get hurt. He shrugged. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty confident today. I've noticed. His mother commented, and she smiled. Ethan felt his manhood stirring again at the way his mother appraised him with her eyes. I did just watch my friend jump out of a helicopter today, so I think I can manage a simple shower. Ethan gathered a change of clothes and started the water. Meg looked uncertain, but ducked out and gave Ethan his privacy. The steam billowed around him as Ethan shed his clothes and took a moment to admire himself in the mirror. For a boy who generally wasn't very active, he wasn't in half-bad shape. He was skinny and lean, like most other eighteen-year-olds in their gangly phase of life. The wiry muscles of his chest and stomach were hairless. And he did have pretty nice arms. He had to, he supposed, given the payload that they carried each day. He flexed and watched the muscle in his bicep and pec jump. Maybe he shouldn't be so down on himself. Maybe he could be a contender for a hottie like Galloway someday. He glanced down at himself. Now that his mother had cleared out, his cock had reverted back to its normal at-rest softness, and he took a minute to admire it. For a person who'd spent most of his life hating his body, he realized he didn't have much to be ashamed of. Even his cock was above average, hanging full between his thighs. That was one thing he'd never stressed about. Obviously, he needed a woman to someday show it too, but he knew once he did, it might prove to be a pleasant surprise. Tentatively, Ethan stepped into the shower. One of his crutches slid with an audible squelch of rubber, and for a moment Ethan thought he was going down. He let out a yelp, and at the last second managed to catch himself on the support bar that had been installed. He breathed a sigh of relief. Okay, maybe this wasn't such a good idea, he admitted to himself. But he was here, and the warm water was already enveloping him. He may as well see it through. That was easier said than done. As he struggled to balance his weight on his crutches and fumble the shampoo, he became aware of how dependent he was on that stupid bench. How the hell was he going to wash himself if he needed to keep his crutches braced? He was feeling much less confident as he dropped the shampoo bottle with a dull thump. He swore and stooped to retrieve it. That was when he heard the bathroom door open and shut, and the sound of soft bare feet on the tile floor. Softly, almost stealthy, the shower curtain behind him swished open and shut, and he felt her behind him. Mom, what are you dash? He started. This is silly, Meg said. Let me help you, before you really get hurt. And Meg's slender arm reached around him and collected the bottle from the floor. When Ethan turned around, he saw that his mother had joined him in the shower. She was wearing her two-piece green bathing suit. The top was designed to look as though it was casually tied in the front. It clung to her perky breasts, and her nipples poked through. Her tummy was bare, rolling slightly, though pleasantly. There was a wet sheen of hot water on her white skin. Her bottoms weren't especially revealing and hugged her wide hips. The bikini bottom, like the top, was also accented with ties on each hip. There was something junglish about it as though Jane would don such an outfit after meeting Tarzan. When Maggie had first picked it out, Ethan thought it made his mother look like Tinkerbell. Not so much now with her hair a deep raspberry color. It wasn't especially revealing or slutty, but up close in the confines of the shower with her very naked son, Ethan saw it in a whole new light. Mom, I'm naked, 
Ethan said, and his hands hurried to cover his manhood. Meg shrugged dismissively as she squirted some shampoo into her palm. It's nothing I haven't seen before, when you were little and I used to change and bathe you. Without waiting for Ethan to protest further, she ran her fingers through his hair. Still Ethan's hands hovered over his cock. I know, but I'm not little anymore. Ethan's eyes met his mother's, and a moment later, her gaze dropped to his cock. Her long lash batted cutely against her wet cheeks as she looked at him actually looked at the sexual tool that made him a man. I can see that, she said, her tone getting husky and her eyes lingering. Ethan was suddenly aware that his penis was swelling. His shaft had lengthened far past what his fingers were able to cover up, and the swelling head of his manhood hung between his thighs. There was something very unmotherly about the way Meg had just said that. Ethan turned and faced away from her as she continued to lather up his shaggy brown hair. There's something about your hair I just love, she commented, playing with it as she washed it. You certainly didn't get this from me. It's so thick and wild. She ran her hands through his hair, oblivious how tensed up Ethan's body had become. Meg began to hum softly to herself as she bathed him, and Ethan realized there was no fighting it. His cock was completely resistant to his wishes. It had hardened with a mind of its own, and was now swinging upward like a wilted plant coming back to life with a little watering. He shut his eyes and cursed inwardly. He hated himself for being aroused by this. Could he have any control of his body, damn it? He turned his head up to the faucet and let the water wash the shampoo from his hair. Meg collected the bar of soap next, and her hands started to work their way down his back. They paused several times along the way to curiously poke and feel his muscles. Ethan was breathing hard. His arms trembled in their crutches as he fought to brace himself. And every time that he looked down, he saw his boner, standing at full attention. This boner was brought to you by, your own mother, he narrated shamefully in his head to remind himself of what was becoming the most awkward situation of his life. You feel so tense, Meg commented, washing Ethan's lower back, then running her hands across each cheek of his butt. It's just weird having your mother take a shower with you. That's all, Ethan said. Meg's hands continued to roam behind Ethan, sliding up and down along each of his arms. Her fingers trailed curiously along his biceps. It's not that weird, Meg said. Mothers take care of their sons, that's all. And you know, there's people with disabilities who have it much worse than you. Some of them have to be bathed every day by their parents. Ethan sighed. I know. I'm lucky. He knew she was right. Despite his circumstances, things could be much worse. Now Meg's hands reached around him and softly started to soap up his chest. He deliberately kept his back to her, but now he could feel her chest against his back. The flesh was warm and yielding. She no longer felt like she was wearing a bathing suit. It, it just makes me feel like a kid, Ethan stammered nervously. Meg's hands slid lower, trailing the soap along the way, easing it from side to side in slow, almost sensual circles. And all the while she did, she moved her chest back and forth, grazing his back with her perky tits. He could feel the hardness of her nipples, the way her breasts moved, unrestrained. Now he was sure she was no longer wearing her top. Really? Because you certainly don't feel like a little kid, she said, and her voice felt like it was right in his ear, soft and whispery and pleasant. Ethan's heart was pounding. Her warm breath in his ear made his skin break out in goosebumps. As she said it, her hand trailed below his belt line. Ethan's foot nudged something on the floor of the tub. Soft fabric. When he glanced down, he saw that she discarded her swimsuit entirely. 
it hit Ethan full on at this point. His mother was in the shower with him, and they were both completely naked. When the hell had she even taken it off? At some point, she had stealthy stripped herself. Not only that, but her small hands were moving that bar of soap on a determined journey. A journey that ended the moment it touched the base of his shaft. In fact, she said, oblivious to his shock, from behind like this, I barely even recognize you as my baby boy. Her hands started slowly around his shaft, washing around it, washing his balls, his inner thighs. Ethan could only stand there in frozen disbelief. You've become such a man, she said, her voice soft and sweet and lusty. Then her hands found his shaft, and the bar of soap glided warm and pleasantly along the underside of his erection. An involuntary moan escaped Ethan's lips. That was the most shocking of all. Ethan's mother had just made him moan with a touch. His heart thundered out of control, his legs trembled, and he couldn't seem to slow his breathing. This was something new and wrong, and he sensed they were dangerously close to crossing a line that could never be undone. It terrified him, but between the steam, the warm water, the perky breast sliding against his back, and her little hands on the precipice of forever changing them both, he didn't want it to stop. M. Mom, W. What are you doing? He asked, barely able to find his voice. I'm just cleaning you. That means all of you, even this. And she ran the soap around his shaft. Her hands covered in lather began to touch him. Oh my, Ethan, she said as she tested the girth of her son. You have quite the boner here. Did your friend across the hall do this? One hand began to softly stroke him, while the other continued to work the soap in pleasant circles around him. The pretext of showering seemed lost at this moment with how much time she was spending on this particular part of his body. Ethan seized on what his mother offered, instead of facing the harsh reality that it was his mom's odd behavior and sexuality had caused this erection. Why, yeah. She did. Are you thinking about her right now? Meg's lips against her son's ear. Uh, yeah. He admitted, shutting his eyes, trying to think about Galloway. But each time, the image returned to reality his mother was stroking him in the shower. Then suddenly the bar of soap dropped away, and all that was left were his mother's hands locked around his throbbing shaft. She didn't make any move to retrieve it. She left it at their feet, along with her swimsuit. Her hands slowly twisted and spun and stroked. This feels painful, Meg said. It's so big, and hard. Her hands were feeling every inch of her son now. Ethan swallowed, and tried not to think about the gravity of what was happening. He just shut his eyes and focused on the sensation of her jerking him. It felt good. Just relax, Ethan, Meg purred. Just relax and think about your friend. Let mommy take care of this for you. I'll always take care of you. Ethan bit his lip. Each time she spoke, his cock jumped excitedly. It pulsed with eager spasms. Her hands were working faster now. One making the long journey from his base to his bulbous swollen head, then back again. The other hand was gently caressing and fondling his balls. No woman had ever touched him like this before, and Ethan fought not to think too hard about who it was. But even still, the taboo was a rush in itself. Then one of Meg's hands disappeared. She continued to stroke him, getting faster now. Ethan could feel her other hand slip between them and start to softly move in vague curious movements. Ethan recognized the rhythm and suddenly realized that his mother was playing with her pussy while she stroked him off. Mom, we shouldn't be, Ethan moaned. S-H-H-H-H, she responded, her voice barely a whisper. We both need this. Just relax and let me make you feel good. Oh God, Ethan groaned louder. 
his hips were starting to move on their own in time with Meg's strokes. He was fucking his mother's hand, he realized. That's right, she urged him. Just follow what your body is telling you to do. My big boy. I'm so proud of you. Her hand was becoming a blur along his length. She squeezed and twisted and pivoted and stroked. He could feel her hand working on herself behind Ethan's back. She was moving from side to side, teasing her hard nipples across his back. Ethan panted, excitedly. He could barely maintain his balance. Meg must have sensed this, because suddenly she turned him and pushed her son against the wall. The shower wall cool against his back as he came face to face with his naked mother. Her small compact body was glistening with warm water and steam. She was completely naked. Up close now, her bare naked breasts were even better than he could imagine. They were bigger than her small frame let on. Her nipples were puffy and pink, rock hard, they pointed straight at what they wanted him. Her pussy was smooth and her legs inviting as her hand rubbed and rubbed. Her face was a mask of uncontrolled lust that Ethan absolutely didn't recognize. She stood in front of him, her hand stroking him. His cock pointed straight at her tummy. I can't. Ethan started to pant. I can't hold on. Do it, Ethan. She said in an equally out-of-breath voice. Do it for mommy. Then to Ethan's shock, she leaned forward and ran her tongue tantalizingly across his lips. Ethan couldn't stop himself. He had to. He opened his lips and his tongue found hers. There was no pull away, no shock and horror on the part of his mother. She came to him willingly, leaned into him and started to kiss back in a way that they never kissed before. The reality hit him, but he was too far gone to rationalize it or stop. He was kissing his mother. Their tongues wrestled, half out of their mouths. Both of them were burning with lust, their bodies tingling and smoldering. Ethan's cock was throbbing uncontrollably. Mom, I'm going to he cried out. Uh Uh-huh, Meg urged him, and shoved her mouth and tongue aggressively into his. She grasped his cock and pressed him against her smooth, wet tummy, trapping his cock between their bodies. Her breasts mashed against his chest, her nipples poked into him pleasantly. Suddenly all Ethan felt was a burst of pleasure. His cock gave a heavy lurch, and still Meg held tight. Then a jet of hot cum shot out from his tip and geysered up Meg's body. Oh yes, She moaned out excitedly. Ethan could feel her body trembling with the thrill. The rest of his orgasm came rapid fire. Another eruption, and another, and another, shooting hot sticky wetness between their wet tummies. Each time his cock shot come, his mom squealed in delight. The ropes coated her stomach, reaching up to kiss the bottoms of her perky tits. One even went wild and shot up between them, landing on her chest. Meg kissed Ethan through his whole orgasm, not daring to part their lips. She let him moan into her kiss. Finally she pulled away, almost reluctantly. Her eyes stayed locked on his. But as his orgasm died away, Ethan found he could barely look his mother in the eyes. Do you feel better now? She asked him. Her voice dropped to a whisper, and he suspected it was because she could barely catch her breath. Hell, Ethan could barely catch his. He managed a shaky nod of his head. They managed to clean up, softly scrubbing off the cummy mess that Ethan had left on his mother. The entire time, she barely took her eyes off of him, or his manhood. Just as the water began to grow cold, she helped her son out of the tub. T-thanks, Mom. I'll take it from here, he said nervously. Meg nodded, smiled, and gave her son a peck on the cheek. As she headed from the bathroom, she paused in the doorway. I'll be in my bed. You're welcome to join me. You know, if you get lonely, she said. Ethan didn't reply. 
His mind was a mixture of confused emotions that he couldn't get under control. When she left, he caught sight of his reflection in the steamy window. His expression was one of bewilderment and complete shame. He didn't recognize his own face. It was the face of a man who just kissed his mother with his tongue, let her jerk him off, and come all over her belly the same belly that he'd grown in. Ethan felt sick with horror. Oh God, what have I done? 3A Rob was staring at the monitors. The debauchery was happening all around the building. His puppets were dancing, and they weren't disappointing. The despicable acts of depravity in 1A and 2A were beyond hot. Nearby, Kelsey was leaning over his shoulder. Her huge tits rested heavily on his shoulder. Her hand was in Rob's lap, stroking his throbbing manhood as the two of them watched the screens together. But no matter how much Rob wanted to enjoy the sinful acts that he created, he couldn't concentrate. Because on his mind wasn't the apartments that he could see. It was the apartment that he couldn't see. Am I not doing it right? Kelsey's soft voice in his ear sounded hurt and desperate as her nimble little fingers stroked up and down Rob's thick shaft. She picked up speed and mashed and teased her double D chest against his shoulder and the side of his face. You're doing a fine job. Rob sighed. It's just... Just what? She asked. Tell me what you want, and I'll do it. I'll do anything you want. The desperation in her voice like a schoolgirl pleading for better grades. It made Rob's cock jump. Two B worries me. Because you can't see them? Because they're cops. Rob replied. Indeed, he'd done a deep dig on the new face who was hanging around with Officer Wild Cherry. Scott Quinn was a former state trooper and something of a local celebrity. Last year, he'd been involved in a manhunt to apprehend a killer who was preying on campers and hikers. There'd been some sort of mechanical failure that had caused their helicopter to crash. Most of the team had been left dead or severely injured as a result Quinn's back had been broken. The team's pilot, a woman, an ex-army captain named Morgan, had tended to the wounded, even while the psychopath that they'd been hunting started terrorizing them day and night, picking off the injured team as they awaited rescue. Quinn was the only one that she'd been able to keep alive. Morgan was the only other survivor. Rob knew the story, because he'd found it fascinating he had even considered basing a novel off of it. But now this man was in his building. Rob was intimidated enough meddling with Galloway, but now another officer was hanging around. A real officer. One with connections. One with notoriety. One that could sniff out lies and foul play. And one with a strong determination. Rob definitely didn't like it. You're smart, Rob. Kelsey cooed as she rubbed her breast up and down Rob's cheek. Her hand pumping his manhood faster. You're the smartest man I know. You'll think of something. Why don't you corrupt these officers the way that you do with everyone else? Like Tina and her parents, Danny and her brother, me and my boyfriend. I mean my ex-boyfriend. She caught herself. Rob swallowed. Because I'm afraid to expose my powers to them in any strong way. He said. That's like suggesting the best way for a drug dealer to continue to deal drugs is to try to get the cops addicted as well. I just worry it won't happen easily. Then it sounds like you already know what you need to do. Kelsey said softly in his ear. What's that? Rob glanced at their reflection in the monitor and startled to see that it wasn't Kelsey's face peering back at him. It was the face of the wretched old hag with the gray skin and peeling lips speaking into his ear. The same one he'd seen in the window many nights ago. You have to get rid of the trooper. She snarled in a voice from another world. Chapter 09 
Tu Biquin awoke to the screech of his clock, with a terrible pain in his neck and back. He gazed around, alarmed and covered in sweat. The dream was already vanishing, but he knew it well. He had it frequently. He had been in the woods, strapped to a gurney in a little camp that sat beside a destroyed helicopter. For days he'd been completely unable to move, completely helpless. He'd soiled himself multiple times during that ordeal. He'd been unable to clean or feed himself, and completely unable to fight. He heard the gunshots, the screams in the night. His fellow troopers, all with broken arms, or broken ribs, or concussions. All were making their desperate last stands. And one by one their screams fell silent. He knew he'd be next. And he'd be easy prey to the psychopath the monster who took a sick joy in stalking campers. Then suddenly he was being lifted into the air, carried away from it all. He was on the rescue helicopter, and was lifting off. Beside him, Captain Angela, fallen angel, Morgan was holding his hand. He'd been terrified, especially after their last helicopter crash. She was singing to him to keep him from panicking. She'd kept him safe, kept him alive, fed him, made sure he stayed hydrated, cleaned him when he was dirty, and fought for his life when he'd been unable to. She was the only reason he survived at all. But as Quinn stared at the forest that was dropping away, he spotted them. His former troopers, the men who'd been killed on those dark and terrifying nights. They stood like silent statues, their faces rotting and their eyes gone. Troopers Harrison, and Garber, and Fields, and Falcon, and Rossetti, even that asshole Hauer. And they were pointing at him as he was carried away to safety to live a life that should have ended alongside of them. IT should have been you. They all howled at him, screaming their protests that he had survived while they had perished. That was the last thing he remembered before his alarm went off. And the sounds of their mournful accusations followed him to the surface. He could still hear them in his head as he sat up and his vision cleared. He was in Galloway's apartment. She was beside him, smiling in her sleep, even moaning cutely. The room was dark, but cozy. His whole body was trembling, searching for threats in his post-nightmare paranoia. Finally, on unsteady legs, he stood, wobbled and headed into the bathroom. He immediately shut the door. The words from the nightmare still echoed in his head as he shrank onto the floor. He buried his face in his palms and began to cry. It should have been you. I'm sorry, guys. He whispered to the still air. He sniffled, knowing full well it should have been him. Quinn? A voice at the door startled him. Yeah, Quinn said, quickly composing himself. I'm just getting ready for work. Are you all right? Galloway asked. She sounded half asleep. I'm okay. I just had a bad dream, that's all, he assured her. What was it about? She asked. He paused. I... I don't really remember anymore. He lied. As much as he wanted to say it all out loud and get it off his chest, he knew that it would only upset and disturb her. That was the last thing he wanted. When he was sure she'd gone back to bed, he started the shower and got ready for work. The entire time, he found himself wishing he would have a heart attack or a brain aneurysm and would die quickly. Let karma finally put him out of his misery. When he was ready and packed for his day, he hesitated at the door. Ethan's words resonated in his head about leaving notes. It makes Galloway feel good. It's what I'd want someone to do for me. If I was having a bad day, or was scared, I'd want someone to leave me a little note. Nobody does, so I figured if I want something to happen for me, I should do it for someone else. Tell them something that I'd want to hear. It matters. Quinn was wishing for a little encouragement, and a kind word for himself at the moment. So he took out his pen and pocket notebook 
and taped something to the door. Something just for Galloway. You always have been, always are, and always will be the best part of my day. Then he kissed a sleeping Galloway on the cheek and headed out the door. He gently closed the apartment door and double-checked that the lock had engaged. His feet were the only sounds in the building. He felt like he was alone and everyone had moved on without him. He was feeling that way a lot lately. Then he passed the wall sconces and started down the stairs. It should have been you. The voice wasn't in his memory this time. It was right in his ear, as audible as a person speaking. Hot breath on his neck as it snarled, he froze and he felt hands grasp his neck from behind. He turned, but didn't see anyone. Then the hands tightened, two distinct palms, and they pushed. Quinn was too startled to even yelp as he fell face first down the staircase. His face hit the step, then his head bounced, toppling end over end. The world became an endless blur of pain and terror as his body twisted and rolled down, down, down. His head hit one of the steps and he saw stars. His back twisted as his torso rolled, and he felt blinding pain shoot up and down his body. He gasped as he rolled but no sound came out. He couldn't draw a breath, the wind going out of him. After what felt like an eternity, he landed in a twisted heap at the bottom of the stairs. He breathed shallow. Everything hurt. He could see his lunchbox across the hall. And his left arm was bent, contorted along with several fingers. He groaned miserably. His back was a near-blinding pain. He struggled to move his right arm, to drag himself to the nearest door. Help, he said weakly, but his voice barely carried. Quinn, who had felt hopeless and like a burden to everyone around him, now felt as helpless as an infant in a crib just like in his dream, like when he was back in the mountains. Only this time, Morgan wasn't here to save him. He tried to cry out again, but as he drew in a breath, he heard the basement door behind him creak open. Though he couldn't see, there was someone standing behind him, a shadow. He was sure of it. It should have been you. The voice hissed one final time. The voice like an arid wind from another world. From hell. Then his body was being easily dragged toward the basement door. When Galloway got the emergency phone call, she was in the middle of training. Her blood turned cold the second she answered and heard the news. She hadn't even been aware of what happened when she left for work today. Her thoughts had been so innocent. Well, that wasn't entirely true. Another sex dream had been as vivid as ever, even after she woke and started her day. Now she felt guilty, as though she really had cheated on Quinn all while not realizing that something awful had happened to someone that she loved. Her instructors let her leave training early, and Galloway's drive to the hospital had been a blur, both mentally and at the speed that she was traveling. When she arrived, she conferred with the nurse's station about what room he was in, then sprinted down the hallway. Two faces were waiting outside. Ethan looked simultaneously worried and guilty. He put his arms around Galloway. I'm sorry, he said. She felt him sobbing a little. It warmed her heart to know that he really did care about Quinn. She hugged him back but it was distracted. I'm sorry I wasn't nicer to Quinn. He managed to stammer out. He really is a good guy. I didn't like him at first, but I do now. It's fine, Ethan. What happened? Galloway asked. The man standing beside Ethan spoke up. Chris Berger the gangly man with the dark hair and glasses from 1B was looking edgy. His eyes were darting all around. He wore the expression of a man had a target on his back. Galloway saw that same uneasy expression when she and Quinn encountered him that day in the hallway when he'd been snooping on Robert Bradford's odd behavior. I found him in the basement, Chris explained. The basement? He nodded. 
I went downstairs to ah uh, do laundry, and I found him laying there not able to move and barely able to talk. He must have been laying down there for a few hours, at least. Galloway had the sense that Chris was holding back about something. Chris shrugged. It was really just dumb luck that I saw him. Otherwise, he might have been there for days. That thought was so horrible that Galloway didn't want to imagine it for long. She thanked them both and headed for the hospital room. Chris stopped her with an urgent tug on her arm. His voice dropped to a low whisper. When you come back out, I need to talk to you alone. Galloway studied his face. This man knew something that he didn't want to say in front of Ethan. Galloway nodded her understanding. She went into the hospital room. There was a doctor talking to Quinn. Quinn was laying in bed, looking terribly frail and ill for such a strong guy. He didn't smile with relief when he saw her. If anything, he looked away in shame. Hey, how are you feeling? She came over and squeezed his hand. He squeezed back but couldn't meet her eyes. I've had better days, he admitted. You're the girlfriend? The doctor asked. Sure, we'll go with that. What happened? He took a spill down the stairs while he was leaving for work. Galloway looked horrified. Is he all right? He's had a bad back from, we're aware of that. The doctor explained. His back is fine. He bruised his spine in several places, along with a concussion, a broken wrist, and three fractured fingers. He'll recover without any permanent damage. It sounds worse than it is. He got lucky. Quinn frowned. Real lucky, he said miserably. That comment worried Galloway more than the list of injuries. It wasn't like Quinn to let these sorts of things bother him. His demeanor was normally upbeat and sarcastic infuriatingly so. The first time he'd broken his back and she had come to visit him, he had nearly jumped out of bed to hug her. He always had a shit-eating grin, a pervy comment, and a laugh for whoever was around. All of that seemed to have gone out of him like a deflated balloon. This wasn't the Quinn she knew. His disposition had soured. Regardless, the doctor said, he was lucky that the neighbor found him. We're going to keep him for a few days, just until the swelling and the pain abates. How'd you end up in the basement if you fell down the main stairs? Galloway asked him. Quinn considered her question and grew slightly pale. We need to talk about that, he said at last. Alone. Again, somebody wanted to have a serious private conversation. Quinn waited until the doctor was out of earshot and wouldn't be coming back. Finally, he said, Galloway, I didn't get clumsy. Something pushed me. What do you mean? You know what I mean. He glared at her. When they worked together at the casino as lowly guards, they often speculated if it could have been haunted. Then Quinn swallowed his pride. He told her about the dream, about his fellow officers, about what they'd said to him in the dream that it should have been him. Galloway's eyes widened. She looked guilty and like she didn't want to believe it. Her dreams had been especially weird lately as well. I'm starting to think those guys were right. Quinn took a deep breath, his diaphragm making his inhale quiver. You know it was just a dream, Galloway insisted. Even so, they were right. I'm fucking useless. I'm a drain on everyone. Stop it. Stop talking like that. Seriously, though. I worked and worked and made it to a job where I could make a difference. Where I could help people and keep people safe. And before I even could, I end up with a broken back. I wasn't meant to help anyone. I was meant to spend a lifetime with them helping me. I'm going to spend the rest of my life filling goddamn bottles until I fall down the stairs one more time, having left nothing behind that matters. I just want to go to sleep and not wake up anymore. He shut his eyes and started to sob, 
having confessed that. She watched him for a while, not sure what to do. This definitely wasn't the man that she knew. Emotionally he was circling the drain. For him to have said that, he must have been just barely keeping it together for a long time. She knew he hadn't been happy with his career change, but he'd kept a brave face through it all. This must have pushed him over the edge. She needed to find a way to bring him back from the brink. Especially in a hospital, giving up could be way more deadly than the injury itself. Shut the fuck up, Quinn. She snapped at him, letting her emotions pick her words for her. Get your act together and stop belittling yourself. Because I'll tell you this, if I lose you, I will never be happy again. So I need you to pull yourself together. I didn't know you for one second as a state trooper. So your disappointment in yourself is all you. I knew you as Quinn the security guard with the insufferably annoying sense of humor. He laughed softly to himself. And after your crash, when I found you in the hospital, I realized how much I loved you. You know why I love you so fucking much? Because no matter how much pain you were in, you still grinned and made your usual sick jokes. You didn't let it destroy you. Did you know that Morgan took me aside after your crash? She told me about you being on a stretcher the whole time out in the woods. That you were utterly helpless and completely dependent on her. But she said that you were always grinning. You were always making jokes, and you were always making her and the other survivors laugh, even when things were at their worst. That's who you are, and that's the man I love. Do you understand what I'm saying? He gazed at his hands again, resting in his lap. He nodded, and a little needle of shame began to work its way into his brain. She was absolutely right, and he hated himself for losing it like that, and letting her see the oh woe is me face of his insecurities. You're right. I get it. I'll work on that. Don't do it for me, do it for yourself, Quinn. You always found a way to be happy. I'll be happy as long as you're around, but I need you to find a way to be too. He swallowed, but didn't look like he was listening. Do you understand? Okay. He nodded. He seemed to be calming down a bit. Galloway, there's something you need to know about that apartment. I fell down the stairs and landed on the first floor. Something came out of the basement, and it pulled me down there like I weighed nothing. I could have died. There is something really wrong with that place. I know, she replied. You need to get out of there, as soon as possible. Quinn's warning resonated deeply with her. Especially when she returned to the hallway and found Chris Berger leaning against the soda machine in the elevator lobby. His arms were folded. He was gripping himself like he was cold, and his expression was grim. You'd better brace yourself, Chris said soberly. I'm going to tell you everything that's going on in that apartment and it's going to sound completely insane. Galloway had no memory of her drive home. Everything Chris had said occupied every space in her brain, so much so that her body was running on autopilot. It was all so crazy, it seemed utterly impossible. Yet somehow it filled in so many blanks and connected so many dots that Chris couldn't possibly know about the way Rob had called her by a nickname that she'd only ever heard in her dreams before, his odd, feverish way of typing. And those dreams but that also created more questions than it answered. Chris was convinced, and Galloway believed that he was telling the truth, or at least thought he was. But it was a hard pill to swallow mind control. Supernatural powers? Using those powers to have debaucherous sex with the different women in the building? That wasn't reality. Chris sounded like a crackpot, and if Galloway hadn't already been so rattled, she might have laughed in Chris's face. Although there really was no denying the cameras. Chris had brought along his laptop, and though they were too far away to view them in real time, 
he showed Galloway the videos that Chris had recorded. It was disturbing. And even if Chris's crazy yammering about mind control was the rant of a lunatic, there was no denying that at the very least, there was a gross invasion of privacy going on in that building. Galloway wasn't 100% convinced. She needed some time to process this and do her own investigating. She wondered if Ethan was experiencing anything odd. Maybe she ought to ask him when she got back. He'd left the hospital before her, so she and Chris could have their private discussion. She arrived at the apartment and regarded the looming building with a sense of dread. For the first time, the large Disney-esque Victorian did look very much haunted. And in the top floor of the turret, lights from computer monitors cast strobing flickers across the walls and ceiling. It looked like a mad scientist was hard at work up there. She started up the front steps, still in her gear from today's training that had been cut short. Her boots were trekking mud, her jeans hugged her hips and cupped her ass. Her tank top clung tightly to her flat tummy and round boobs. Her duty belt and vest hung loosely from her body, unzipped and open. Galloway was still feeling like her mind was in a daze as she stepped inside, which was part of the reason why she didn't notice that the front door was open. She stopped in the community foyer to retrieve her mail and as she walked into the tight front hallway, she knew something was immediately wrong. The door to apartment 1B was standing wide open, and she was hearing voices within. The burgers weren't home. Chris had sent TJ away to stay with her mother, and Chris was deliberately laying low. There shouldn't be anyone in the apartment. Did Rob have something to do with this? Galloway heard the thump of boots, the heavy movements. There were gruff voices, and the sounds of things breaking. Her heart began to pound in her ears. Her whole body stiffened as she drew her handgun. She nudged the door open. In the living room, she spied a stack of expensive items that had been collected computers, electronic devices, jewelry, and tools. This was a burglary that she was walking in on. Oh shit! She thought to herself, her heart pounding away. Her throat had gone dry. She licked her lips, stepping cautiously into the apartment. Then she spotted them. They were over by the kitchen rummaging through a cabinet and collecting liquor bottles like trophies. There were three men. A skinny white punk with bleached hair like Eneman, and a ragged shirt. A wiry black guy with a smooth baby face and scrawny arms. And a beefy Hispanic with a ratty goatee and tattoos up and down his undefined flabby arms. All of the guys were young, between 18 and 20, although if they were old enough to legally drink, Galloway would eat her hat. She was pretty sure she could take all three of them. Her mind latched onto that phrase and played it like a record for a moment take all three of them. The thought sent a thrilling jolt through her brain. She shook her head and cleared it. She planted her feet and pointed her pistol. Freeze! She bellowed ferociously. All three of them looked up, startled. Their eyes wide with an expression of having gotten caught with their hands in the cookie jar. They lifted their hands slowly in the air. Their eyes went from Galloway's gun to the tactical vest draped over her fit body to the shiny silver badge on her belt. Oh shit, Babyface said, his eyes were wide, looking for an opening to immediately run. Don't fucking move, Galloway snarled. Keep your hands where I can see them. Her sky-blue eyes were hard, unflinching. Fucking pig, White Boy remarked, and Galloway felt a jolt of excitement race through her again. There was something about the crude insult that triggered a response within her, but it wasn't the furious recoil that she would normally have. Her heart started to flutter. She blinked several times, feeling an odd sensation of weightlessness, like the free-fall feeling just before dozing into a pleasant sleep. A tingle between her legs, and Galloway suddenly let out a pleasurable gasp, 
staggering slightly. What the fuck are you doing, Pita? Goatee remarked, his brow furrowed in confusion at her shaking and gasping. Galloway knew enough Spanish to know that he just called her a whore. I am a Pita. The words just sort of fell from her mouth. The men looked on, their expressions of anger and shock turned to confusion. Galloway's chest began to rise and fall in deep breaths. Her breasts moved heavily beneath her tank top, as though she was deliberately trying to entice them with her breathing. She felt her nipples begin to stand erect, pressing through her sports bra and tank top. The men noticed, there was no way not to, with the way her chest rose and fell like that. She shut her eyes and couldn't resist tasting her own lips, forgetting herself in the moment, losing track of the severity for reasons that escaped her. This bitch is crazy. Babyface commented, and again, the crude way that he spoke about her sent another wave of uncontrolled pleasure and lust through her body. Galloway felt her knees tremble. She had an overwhelming urge to touch herself. She lowered the gun, her hand running up to her face and rubbing her neck, then traveling lower. What was she doing? She wondered. She was forgetting herself, forgetting the situation. The men started to nervously inch their way around the table very slowly, keeping their hands up. They were afraid of Galloway, and her sudden odd change in behavior was throwing them further off. Galloway felt an impossible thrill at the gravity of the situation. For the last few weeks, she'd had a bizarre new turn-on work its way into her brain. Every night she dreamt of being aggressively taken by a group of bad men. Of being slapped around by them, abused, and ferociously fucked every which way. She orgasmed in her sleep over such a fantasy. She devoted hours of her time to touching herself to such thoughts. She'd nearly broken her bed, her body craving it so badly. And now, here she was, Officer Kate Galloway standing in the middle of a crime, with three punks who regarded her with the resentment that criminals regard cops. They were seeing her as a bitch, a whore, a pig, and Galloway was feeling all of those repressed triggers flooding right back. Her fantasy was invading her thoughts. She had control over the situation could stop the crime here and now by detaining these guys until the police showed up. But was that really what she wanted? She could make her fantasy a reality, right here and now. All she had to do was to let it happen, to give up control. They could kill you, her common sense said. They could hurt you, rape you, abuse you. And yet, all of those thoughts sent new waves of excitement through her. Galloway was aware that her hand had wandered to her breast and was squeezing it in front of these men. She'd slid the barrel of her pistol down the front of her body and was starting to rub it against the crotch of her jeans. What the fuck is this pig doing? Goatee asked quietly to his buddies. They were inching closer. Galloway gasped as she touched herself with the barrel of the weapon, completely lost in her fantasy now. She sucked in a breath and bit her lip, her legs going weak. She had to lean back against the wall to keep from toppling over. That was when the three men made their move. They rushed her all at the same time. Galloway felt her pistol being yanked out of her hand, but she didn't seem to mind. Her duty belt and vest were torn off and the feeling of them disarming her made her moan in excitement. Goatee pinned her hands behind her back, shouting at his two buddies to help restrain her. Not that they really needed to Galloway wasn't putting up a fight. Jackpot! Cuffs! White boy declared, producing Galloway's set of handcuffs. The metallic clink sent flashes of pleasure coursing up and down her thighs. They cuffed her where she stood and shoved her roughly to the floor. Yes! She moaned out softly as they manhandled her. Her tank top had come askew from the struggling and the fleshy side of one of her plump breasts was visible through the armhole. The fabric had ridden up, showing her smooth bare belly, making her feel exposed and vulnerable. She lay on the floor, 
helpless and anticipating. The men rummaged through her equipment, her vest stealing her tools, her gun, her ID, her badge. When she stared at them, her eyes were burning with excitement. They were mistaking it for fury. Private police? Goatee asked. Whatever the fuck that means. He tossed her ID crudely at her. It slapped off her face and another moan escaped her lips. Galloway couldn't recall a time she'd ever been so excited or turned on. She was standing at the edge of her deepest, darkest fantasy coming true. What the fuck is up with this bitch? Babyface asked. Why is she moaning like that? Look at this fucking hair. White boy said, smacking her hat off of her head and roughly grabbed her by the ponytail. His tug so harsh that it forced Galloway up on her knees. She's moaning like this because she's a cock-addicted skank, isn't that right? He directed the question at Galloway, and before she could answer, he yanked her ponytail up and down, forcing her to nod. Galloway shut her eyes, and her cheeks reddened. But while they might mistake it for embarrassment, for Galloway it was a flush of excitement. Her whole body was trembling, her mind a blur of possibilities of what might happen. She could feel her panties growing wet. Her pussy was practically drooling. Come on, man, let's finish up and get out of here, Babyface said. But White Boy looked slightly distracted. Are you sure? Seems the most interesting thing in this apartment just arrived. He snickered, still tugging Galloway's hair roughly, but his gaze wandered down to her busted chest. Galloway was so flushed with excitement, she couldn't find the words. She could only stare and silently urge him to do it with her mind. Then White Boy reached down and gave one of her tits a rough squeeze. Galloway couldn't hold back. A half-gasp, half-moan escaped her lips as his fingers closed around her breast. On, she said, her voice soft and squeaky, catching in her throat. Hear that, White Boy declared. She loves it, don't you, pig? He said and went to her other breast, squeezing it even harder. Galloway felt a flash of pain, but the excitement and pleasure was too much. Yes. She managed to choke out in a voice that was half lusty and half fearful and desperate. It definitely wasn't her normal voice. White boy laughed, he slapped her breast hard over her top. She winced and whimpered, but a moment later she bit her full pouty pink lip. White boy slapped her other one, earning another whimper. Then he went back and forth, slapping her chest like she was a piece of meat. In that moment, Galloway felt like one, and she was gasping and moaning. See that, guys? This bitch is a grade-A slut, isn't that right? He tugged her hair. Galloway managed a nod. Yes, she said, feeling like a helpless girl and certainly not a trained officer. But the feeling was like nothing she'd ever felt sexually. She had no control and she was more turned on than she'd ever been. I'm a complete slut, she said, enticing them with her voice. When she looked up at the burglars, both goatee and baby face were staring at her. White boy continued to fondle her. But Galloway could tell by the expressions on the faces of his accomplices that their thoughts were no longer on looting. Their minds had changed gears. Now they wanted sexual pleasure, and Galloway felt the overwhelming desire to give it to them. On her knees, even with white boy groping her, Galloway arched her back, thrusting her breasts out until the fabric of her tank top pulled tightly against them. Her nipples were hard and sensitive, pressing through the fabric. She looked at them, nearly panting. Her hands cuffed behind her back, she looked like an offering to the gods. She met Babyface's eyes, and then let her eyes wander down to his crotch. She was rewarded when she saw the fabric of his jeans begin to strain. He was getting excited by the situation. Mmm, always wanted to put a police bitch in her place, he admitted licking his lips. Galloway glanced up goatee. 
He scowled at her. There was a genuine hatred for her in his eyes. He would be rough. Punish me. She whimpered, keeping her normally strong voice meek and sexual. Goatee stepped forward and grabbed her beneath the chin, gripping her roughly and turning her to face him. Is that what you want, Pewta? He snarled in her face and spat, his spittle running down one of her pink apple cheeks. Galloway could only moan inwardly to herself as he did. He grabbed one of her tits and roughly jiggled it. Galloway moaned louder, inhaling. He slapped her chest and continued his rough assault on her breast. White boy worked over the other one. The men pawed at her so roughly that she fell backward, landing on her butt. Look at this fucking horny, big-titted bitch. White boy narrated, grinning around his big teeth. The thin lips of his wide mouth smiling delighted at the control they had over her. Not so tough without your gun, are you, bitch? Baby face joined in with the insults, watching his buddies manhandle her around. The guys pawed at her boobs, shaking them, squeezing them, massaging them. It was a painful prodding assault on her flesh, and yet Galloway loved it. She never felt so alive and eager. Then Goatee hooked his hands through the straps of her tank top and pulled. He tore it right down the middle. Galloway's bra and bare midriff were exposed. The budding hints of a six-pack flexed from her heavy breathing. And still the men roamed with their hands, forcing her sports bra up until her full C-cups spilled out. Look at them pink fucking nipples! White boy remarked, giving her bare breast a slap that was so hard, it left a red print on her skin. He smiled at the way her breasts bounced and jiggled as he abused her. Oh shit! Baby face laughed. You made her tit as red as her face. You like black dick? He asked her crudely, and he took hold of the back of Galloway's head and shoved her face into his crotch. Galloway nearly yelped as he forced her face against his jeans. Beneath the denim, she could feel his hardening manhood. It was heavy and thick. Heat radiated from his crotch, and Galloway felt her pussy soaked in anticipation. Her excited moans muffled by his cock. Baby face and his buddies laughed meanly at her as he bucked his hips and animatedly dry-humped her face. With her wrists bound, Galloway was helpless. Forced to lean forward, face first in Babyface's crotch, his two buddies began to undo Galloway's pants. They left her boots on and yanked her torn jeans down her curvy ass until they bunched up around her ankles. She couldn't move them, they kept her feet trapped, like her own pair of ankle restraints. Her black thong came into view, pleasantly tracing the curves of her juicy-ass cheeks. Big thick donkey ass? White boy remarked, and slapped her across one cheek hard enough to make her see stars. The crotch of her thong grew more damp by the second. Her butt stung so badly. She tried to rub it, but white boy slapped her hands away and hit her again, leaving a print and making her butt quiver and jiggle. She cried out. Take your punishment, pig! Goatee said and joined in, slapping her again and again. There was real anger behind it, and Galloway whimpered against baby face's crotch. Her eyes were streaming tears, although she was loving every second. He was aggressively dry-humping her face, bouncing her head off of his lap. His hard cock was getting even stiffer in his jeans. The men pounded and slapped her ass over and over again. Babyface snatched her by the hair and yanked her head away from his crotch. Galloway's eyes were glazed with lust. I bet you want it real bad, don't you, big-titted big-ass bitch? Babyface said and slapped each cheek of her face, not enough to hurt, but enough to degrade her. Then he unzipped his pants and reached inside. Galloway's eyes went to his crotch, her curiosity controlling her actions. When he pulled his cock from his pants, Galloway's eyes lit up. The skinny little punk was packing some real heat. His big black cock was thick, veiny, 
and powerful looking. It bobbed and twitched in front of her face. Galloway couldn't stop herself. She needed to taste it now. She parted her lips, completely losing herself, and leaned toward him, intending to swallow him in one gulp. Instead, he caught her by the ponytail and held her back. Damn you are one cock-hungry piece of fuckmeat. He tugged her hair and smacked her face. Beg to suck my cock, bitch. Earn this dick, he ordered her. On her knees, with the men squeezing and spanking her ass, Galloway was breathing so hard she could barely talk. Her whole body was quivering and shaking from the assault, from the excitement, from the impossible desire she was feeling to be gang-raped by these men. Please, please let me taste you, Galloway said, her voice trembling and high-pitched. She stuck out her tongue, trying to reach the tip of his cock, desperate for even a taste. He held her firm. Please. I need it bad. I'm such a whore. I need a cock in my mouth 24-7. If I don't suck you, I don't know what I'll do. Even Goatee and White Boy were taken aback by her pleas. Babyface shook his cock at her and smacked himself several times off of her cheeks with warm fleshy slapping sounds. He hovered his crotch over her face and rested his dick along her face. His cock lay on her nose and forehead, past the top of her head. Lick these nuts, ho! He laid his big heavy balls over Galloway's full pink lips and she parted them immediately. Her tongue flicked out obediently, and she began to lap at his balls. She stared up at him, her blue eyes starry and swoony. They were watery from the relentless assault on her body. Good little bitch, Babyface moaned, pleased with her efforts. Galloway wrapped her lips around one of his balls and sucked it gently into her warm mouth. Ah, yeah, he moaned watching her. He began to thrust his hips, dragging the underside of his dick back and forth along her face. Her mouth continued to please and massage his balls, basting his baby maker with her hot wet lips. Her long lashes ticked his skin each time she blinked. Galloway let out a whimper at a sudden invasive hand between her legs. White boy was reaching beneath her from behind. His hand followed the path of her thong between her sore-ass cheeks, ran curiously over her ass, then found her wet pussy. Holy shit, this fuck pig is wetter than a slip and slide. He laughed. I think she likes it. He roughly groped her pussy over the thin fabric of her thong, and Galloway let out a moan around a mouthful of baby face's balls. The feeling her voice moaning sent pleasant vibrations along his shaft. Oh fuck yeah. He pulled his dick away from her face. His balls came out of her lips with an audible popping sound and a messy saliva streamer that ran down her chin. Open wide, whore. He gripped her hair. Galloway's lip quivered in anticipation as she opened her mouth and gave up one of her holes to this punk. As soon as her mouth opened, he roughly stuffed her face with his cock. He slid it deep, going past her tongue and forcing it all the way back to her tonsils. Galloway instantly gagged, but worked to swallow him. She couldn't stop herself from wiggling her hips against white boy's groping fingers. They slipped around her thong and probed her slit. She moaned around baby face's cock. He gripped her face and pumped his skinny hips, forcing his cock in and out of the depths of her throat. She like that dick? White boy asked. She loves this dick. Baby face grinned and panted. His eyes shut, and he moaned at the sensation of fucking her face. Tears streamed down Galloway's cheeks as he gripped her head and forced himself all the way down, pushing her face to his stomach. Ah uh, yeah, take this dick you badge-wearing hoe. Galloway choked. Her vision narrowed. She thought she would black out, either from lack of oxygen or excitement. She wasn't sure which. Finally Babyface let her up. He shook his cock at her, casting big wet drops of her own saliva into her face. 
While White Boy and Babyface violated her, Goatee was curiously inspecting the items on her duty belt. He was especially interested in her baton. He plucked it from the belt. It was an expandable ASP. He swung it, and it extended wickedly. He brandished the hard metal, and testing its strength, he gave her ass a light smack with it. He was rewarded when Galloway cried out softly. Then he said something surprising. He waved it around. You ever fuck yourself with this, pig? He asked gruffly. Galloway regarded him. Yes, she openly admitted. I fuck myself all the time with it. Damn, this bitch is crazy. White boy commented and began to stab two fingers in and out of her warm wet pussy. She was positively juicy. Galloway moaned again and sank her ass down on his fingers, taking them deeper. She was gasping and panting and moaning the entire time. Open back up, baby. Baby face urged, and Galloway went willingly. This time he moved over to the couch, dragging Galloway by the hair. With her hands behind her back, the best she could manage was to do an awkward shuffle on her knees. Then her face was pushed back into his crotch and Galloway stuffed her own mouth with his big black cock. Baby face moaned in pleasure as she sucked and licked and gobbled him. She was putting her all into it, whenever she had the opportunity which wasn't much because he still had his hands on her hair and was forcing her head up and down. He was using her mouth like his personal cock sleeve, wanting her to know her place to know who was the boss around here. From behind, Goatee gripped her thong and used it like a leash. He yanked Galloway upright roughly. She cried out as the material strained against her legs, pelvis and pussy. Then she was standing on shaky legs, face down in baby face's lap, an ass up in the air, presented to these two criminals that stood behind her. They bent her over the arm of the sofa. Her feet were still trapped together in the tangle of her jeans. Baby face bounced her head in his lap over and over again like he was dribbling a ball, and each rough thrust from his hips or push from his hands forced his cock down her throat. Galloway could only struggle to keep up, but even though he was in control, Galloway worked feverishly to enhance it. Part of the thrill wasn't just letting this man abuse her, she wanted to please him, to compromise herself. She sucked and swallowed and licked, and she did it all willingly, with the sole intent to make this guy moan. With her ass exposed, they yanked down her underwear. White boy watched as Goatee took the baton and poked her several times, jiggling one ass cheek, then the other. Then he moved between her cheeks and started to curiously poke her pussy with the hard steel stick. Galloway responded by moving her hips, bending her knees and humping herself against the weapon. What a fucking whore! White boy commented. Dude, this chick's brain is broken. Goatee smirked and rubbed the head of the stick along her slit until he found her clit. He bore down on it until they heard her muffled cries around baby face's dick. M. Galloway cried out around a mouthful of black cock. Nobody could tell if it was out of pain or pleasure, but an instant later and Galloway's knees began to knock together. She was trembling so hard. Then Goatee took the stick and penetrated her body with it. He pushed inch after inch of the hard weapon inside of her. Galloway groaned more, struggling to keep up. Babyface pulled Galloway's head off of his cock and wagged it at her smacking her senseless over and over. What do you think of this dick? Speak up, bitch. He ordered her. I like it. I like it. She cried out, her gasps whimpery and pathetic. Regardless, she meant it. Goatee forced the bat in deeper and Galloway yelped out as he roughly fucked her with her own weapon. Just like? Babyface smacked her harder. I love it. She corrected herself. Fucking a right you do. He snarled. Now get back on that. 
He pushed her face back on it and stuffed her mouth full. He grabbed her by the ears this time and bucked his skinny hips up and down, his butt coming off the couch as he fucked her face. Galloway made glugging sounds as spit streamers ran freely down her lips. Babyface's balls were a blur, slapping her in the face with each thrust. Galloway had never been violated this violently before, and she was loving it. Behind her, the men were abusing her with her baton. Look at this cunt. Look at this fucking cunt. Goatee was nearly panting in his sexual frenzy, jabbing the weapon in and out of her tight hole. His aggression was at fever pitch, and he was slapping her ass over and over again. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Galloway was crying out around her mouth full of baby faces cock. Her legs quivered and a tremble racked her body. Then she began to squirt. A geyser of wetness shot forth from her pussy, soaking the baton and the pants of her two assailants, as well as leaving a hearty pool on the floor. Holy shit, this bitch is a squirter! They cheered in triumph. Galloway, herself was surprised. This was something new that had never happened to her before. She had been so turned on that her body had let loose. Juices ran freely down her inner thighs. Her orgasm went on and on. With her feet and legs bound, she could do nothing but cry out in pleasure as Babyface choked her with his cock. I knew this pig was a freak. Goatee grabbed Galloway by the ponytail and yanked her off of Babyface's cock. One hand on her ponytail and one around her neck, she came easily. She let out a yelp as she was shoved to the floor the baton still half-buried in her snatch. Look at this fucking mess, piggy! He shoved her face against the wet floor. You better clean it up! He ordered, then began to leverage her face against the wet puddles, treating her like a dog who'd had an accident. Galloway complacently stuck her tongue out and began to lap her juices off the dirty floor, completely losing herself in all of this. She was the fuck toy to these men. That was her place now. If they took her with them, and kept her, she was certain she'd never stop being aroused. White boy came around her backside and resumed fucking her pussy with her weapon, while baby face stroked and watched. It was bedlam in the apartment. Go to use her head as a mop, and Galloway slurped and licked and drank her own bodily fluids from the floor. When the mess had been mostly cleaned up, he turned her attention to the wetness that she'd squirted down the front of his jeans. You got your nasty mess all over me too, pig! And he thrust her face roughly into his crotch. Galloway licked at the mess on his jeans. With her hands behind her back, she looked like she was bobbing for apples. She heard the zipper lower on Goatee's pants, then she was being battered in the face by his growing erection. Oh? She moaned out, tears of pain and pleasure rolling down her cheeks. Then she opened her mouth, and with Goatee's firm grip on her ponytail, he violated her mouth. Oh, that's it, piggy. Eat this cock. He moaned and yanked her head up and down his thick, meaty pole. Much like the man's stocky physique, his cock was thick and bulbous. With her cheeks flushed red from excitement and humiliation, Galloway sucked him for all she was worth. He fucked her head deeply, hitting the back of her throat over and over again. Galloway came up choking and sputtering each time, before he rammed himself back down her throat. The other two burglars gathered around, standing in a loose circle, watching and cheering their defilement of this lady officer. In the blurry haze of what was happening, Galloway became aware that all of them had their dicks out now. They were stroking. Then Goatee shared her face. He shoved her face first into the next cock. Galloway opened wide, stuck out her tongue, and swallowed down white boy's long skinny manhood. He giggled and slapped at her face as she sucked. Galloway didn't flinch, didn't want to risk biting him or hurting him. She only wanted to please them. Her tongue worked at fever pitch to tickle the underside of his shaft.
her lips tightened. Her cheeks puckered in, and she sucked and sucked until he moaned in delight. Then his cock was yanked free and baby face took another turn, invading her mouth with his big black dick. He held her by the head, fucking her face with as much young vigor as his hips possible could deliver. Round and round she went. Galloway had no concept of time. All she knew was that she was being passed around from cock to cock, and none of them were being gentle about it. They were utterly abusing her. They choked her, slapped her, pulled her hair, spit on her, called her names, and laughed at the slobbering mess that they'd reduced her to. Her lips were puffy and pink. Her throat felt raw. Her tongue felt numb. And when she thought she was going to inevitably bring them to orgasm, they changed things up again. Galloway was yanked back to her feet and shoved toward the couch. She had to awkwardly hop, her feet still held together by the jeans that were tangled around her boots. She was held tightly, her posture bent and humble. Goatee gave the orders and his co-conspirators all took different spots. White boy sat down on the couch. Galloway was once again bent over the arm of the couch, her ass in the air, presented like a gift to these men. This time the baton was the least of her concerns. This time, they were going to fuck her. And she knew in her head that she welcomed it. You wanna get fucked? Goatee stood behind her and roughly spread her cheeks, admiring her tight little asshole and her pink juicy pussy. He wagged his solid cock against her inner thighs, smacking them repeatedly. Huh, speak up, pig. Yes. Please fuck me. She begged. Fuck me, Raw. For hours. Don't use a condom. Make me regret my career decisions. Show me the way. To her own ears, Galloway sounded like she'd completely lost her mind. But she was going crazy with lust and anticipation. Her mind couldn't form the words. Her sexual desire was forming them for her. The only thing cops ought to be serving are cocks, Goatee said. He took her by the hips and without a hint of gentleness, he rammed his cock into her already juicy pussy. Oh, uh, Galloway shut her eyes as she felt this man plunge deep. It hurt, but the pleasure was incredible. He started to pump and she was already coming in seconds. She opened her mouth to cry out, but white boy seized the opportunity to stuff her mouth. Holy fuck, she's coming again, Goatee laughed watching Galloway's knees tremble. Her whole body was quivering as he violated her pussy. Her round ass jutted in the air, her back bowed pleasantly as she leaned onto white boy's lap. Her hair fell across his skinny legs, sweaty and a complete mess. She bobbed her head and sucked of her own volition, and soon both men were moaning in delight. Babyface watched, adding his commentary calling her names like white bitch, pig, and whore. He wasn't wrong. Galloway felt like a dirty whore. She was being aggressively fucked in her mouth and her pussy at the same time. Spit-roasted was the word. And she couldn't stop coming. Orgasm after orgasm seemed to come in rapid succession. The whole time was just one wild blur of pleasure, even with her throat stuffed with cock, and her face and ass stinging from the slaps. Galloway's curves jiggled and bounced. Baby face reached under her chest and gripped her tits, roughing them up with his hands. He slapped them, squeezed them, twisted her nipples and pinched hard. Her mouth was unrelenting. A series of muffled moans expressed her pleasure. Mmm. 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 They took turns. Baby face tagged in and Goatee pulled out. Yeah, bitch. Pretty white cops ought to be fucking black dick. He said and smacked her ass as he pushed his throbbing member into her body. Oh God, yes. Galloway cried out around white boy's cock. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. She mindlessly echoed. I think we broke this bitch's brain. Babyface laughed. 
He gripped her tight around her slim waist and pulled her back into his thrusts. Not that it was really necessary. Galloway was already humping back into him as best as she could. She fell into sync with his fucking. He was grunting in pleasure. How's her pussy? White boy asked, still fucking Galloway's mouth. Drool was running in streamers down his shaft. Like velvet. Babyface moaned back, slapping her ass between each thrust like he was taming an animal. Galloway cooed in pleasure. I want to try her out. White boy declared and he and Babyface switched places. Galloway licked and lapped her own juices from Babyface's big cock while White boy slid his into her body. Three of them. All three of these criminals had now been in her pussy and her mouth. It dawned on her that she'd taken them all inside of her. As the two punks traded off methods of violating and abusing Galloway's fit body, Goatee watched with curious interest. More ideas coming to him. He watched this slutty whore take her pounding from his buddies. Then he wanted more. Goatee grabbed Galloway by the hair, pulled her off of white boy and baby face. She took a second to catch her breath. Drool was running down her chin. Her chest, pussy, ass and legs had a sheen of sweat. Her hair was caked in sweat and spit, from where they'd spat at her. Her lips were puffy and swollen. Her eyes wild. Her chin was quivering, and her legs unsteady and wobbly, like a baby deer learning to walk for the first time. She regarded her captor with the expression of a beaten dog. Her face was submission, and only submission. Then he kicked her back onto the couch until she was sitting on white boy's lap, her back resting on his chest. Goatee used his knife to slash her bunched-up jeans away. She was now naked below the waist except for her boots, but judging from her posture, she wouldn't start trying to kick now. Sit right there, Puta. He snarled at her and forced her legs apart. She put her boots up on the couch on either side of white boy's skinny legs. She gulped meekly, her mouth open, still trying to catch her breath. But her eyes stared up at Goatee with a combination of reverence and lust. Behind and beneath her, White boy adjusted himself until his cock appeared between her legs. He slapped it against her already well-used pussy. Do it, man. Goatee urged his friend. Fuck this pig. White boy was all too happy to stuff his cock back into Galloway's warmth. Her eyes rolled back in pleasure, and she sucked in a breath. She bit her lips and worked her hips, starting to ride him without much prompting. That's right, bounce, bitch. Goatee said and withdrew Galloway's pilfered handgun from his belt. He menaced her with it, even though it was totally unnecessary. She was bouncing harder now, her movements becoming eager. Her tits rocked and swayed alluringly. Goatee grinned and ran the cold steel of the gun over her bouncing breasts. He nudged one of them, making it jiggle. Galloway shivered and shuddered, confronted with a deadly weapon. But her moans grew in intensity. The slut loved it. Get in there, Goatee urged to his buddy, and Babyface grinned, rubbing his hands together and licking his lips. He positioned himself between Galloway's strong legs. He pushed Galloway back into White Boy's chest and began to rub his cock against Galloway's already occupied pussy lips. She squirmed, knowing what was to come. Let's stretch out this hog's baby factory, Babyface commented. You think you can handle this, you fucking whore? He slapped Galloway, gripping her chin and pushing her around. She was gasping, her eyes wide with anxiety. Then she glanced down between her legs and knew what was to come. They pinned her down and Babyface pushed his throbbing heart on against her, into her. She started to cry out. Fuye. Babyface's shaft ran along white boys, the men entering her together, like one enormous cock. The head of Babyface's member opened her up to her limits and disappeared into her body. Galloway's cries grew louder.
U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-
Yes. Do it. She urged. Then she helped sink herself onto White Boy's cock until she felt the familiar pain of the anal violation. She forgot how much it initially hurt. Then after the glorious pain came the pleasure. Both punks picked up the speed and they plunged headlong into her holes from either side. She threw her head back and moaned at the ceiling. Yes, yes, yes. Don't fucking stop. Goatee watched it all happening, tracing the tip of the gun in little circles around her hard nipples, teasing them and running the weapon over her smooth skin and sweaty body. By now they were all a sweaty mess of cum and spit and drool and tears. They double penetrated her for what felt like hours. Galloway's vision a blinding blur of pleasure. A fog of colorful stars. And when they had their fill of abusing her like that, they double stuffed her ass, in much the same way as her pussy. The pain was incredible. Galloway's body was stretched to impossible limits as the men pushed their aching members into her tightest hole and claimed that as theirs as well. Galloway felt like her body would never recover. The pain was so intense, she thought she'd gone blind. But the new violation, the new abuse brought about a new high. She climaxed without any of them in her pussy. It must have been hours that they put her in her place. They took turns on her, fucked her face, her tits, her pussy, her ass sometimes alone, and sometimes at the same time. Finally they withdrew. They tossed her to the floor, a wet, sweaty, well-used mess. They'd made her a cum rag and Galloway had no objections. Goatee put his boot against the side of her face and pinned it to the floor. Ready for our cum, you filthy fucking pig? Yes. She moaned. Give it to me. Up on your knees. He ordered, letting her up. Galloway scurried to her knees. The movements were clumsy. Her hands were still bound behind her back. She tilted her face up to the three of them and opened her mouth like a seal waiting for a treat after a trick. The men stood over her and stroked their cocks feverishly. Do it, she begged. Cover me with your cum, show me who I belong to. That's right, squeal, piggy, Goatee said. The men pretty much all went off in unison. First one cock exploded with a pleasurable moan that sent a long hot spurt hitting Galloway full in the face. Then another punk was going off. His cum landing in her hair. Goatee went last, and his climax showered her chest, her face, her hair. Galloway could feel herself getting drenched from three different directions by hot sticky loads that these men had spent hours building up with their aggressive fucking. Now it was covering her, and she was loving it. She could feel her hair plastered to her scalp with it. Come ran in big heavy globs down her back and patted her on bare butt. It dripped down her chest. She swallowed what landed on her tongue and begged them for more. But the men had no more to offer. They were drained. Please, keep going, use me, take me along. You can fuck me day and night. She pleaded, feeling like she'd completely lost her mind. Goatee used his boot and pushed her flat on her but where her back came to rest against the sofa. She watched them in a lusty haze as they gathered up their loot, including Galloway's weapons and equipment. Several times they laughed at her, making jokes at her expense. Babyface made it a point to spit on her on his way out of the apartment. Thanks for the incredible lay slut. White boy slapped her across the face. Galloway only panted, still lost in the thrill. The last one out was Goatee. He stopped in front of her and unzipped himself. Galloway thought he'd want another blow job that she was fully prepared to deliver. She lay in a wet sticky mess, her hair plastered, her body used. Instead, he picked up her shiny silver badge the one that she worked so hard for, the symbol behind which all of her morals and beliefs and ambitions were guarded. He set it on heavy chest, between her breasts, then he used her like a toilet, 
showering her with a steady warm stream of urine. He hosed down both her and her batch. And for reasons she couldn't explain, the new level of disrespect made her gasp in lusty pleasure. Oh yes! She squealed in delight. I deserve this! When he was finished, he tossed her handcuff keys to her. Always remember how we did that to you. He snarled. Hmm. I will. She admitted, her voice dreamy and lusty. Then the men were gone and she was alone. Or so she thought. Because as the pounding of her heart subsided and the bizarre come drunk haze that had overtaken her began to dissipate, she realized that there was the soft, muffled sound of sobs coming from the nearby bathroom. The door was partially ajar, and from where she sat, in a heap of bodily fluids, she could see into the bathroom. And there, the wide, shocked expression of Ethan stared back. Oh my God! She uncuffed herself and snatched a throw blanket from the couch, tossing it around her mostly nude and abused body to cover herself. She hurried to the bathroom. Her friend and neighbor who'd looked up to her like a superhero was bound and gagged, tied to the pipes beneath the sink. His crutches were broken, his face was tear-streaked, and one of his eyes was swollen shut. It dawned on Galloway what had happened Ethan had left the hospital while she'd been talking to Chris, come home and must have walked in on this burglary. And those monsters had attacked him, punched the harmless boy, and held him captive. Those same monsters, Galloway had just eagerly had sex with. She'd let them do everything to her, everything imaginable, and she'd done it happily and willingly, all because of some strange inexplicable fantasy that had needled its way into her dreams and dominated her impulses. Rob's influence or not, Galloway had lost herself and given in. And this poor boy had sat quietly and watched the woman that he admired, respected, adored, and secretly crushed on give herself over to the worst of the worst. Oh God, what he must think of her. How she must look to him now. She had destroyed that imagine. The gravity, the full extent of what she'd done came rushing in, and she felt only shame. I'm sorry, Ethan, she said, her voice soft, exhausted, and raspy. I'm so sorry, Ethan. She undid his gag. Ethan stared at her as if he didn't know her. The starstruck expression that was always there when he saw her was gone from his eyes now. It would forever be. You, you could have stopped them, he said, having seen her pointing her gun at them. And indeed, she could have. Instead, she'd lowered the gun and allowed them to take her. She'd done it. Ethan, that. She shook her head, feeling true shame. She had never felt more horrified in her life. That wasn't me. It was Rob. He's doing something. Something that makes us do things we wouldn't ordinarily do. She tried to desperately explain what was happening in the apartment. Ethan didn't believe her. How could he? She hadn't when Chris first told her. But now she did. Now she understood. What happened here? What was happening in her dreams and in urges and impulses? She wasn't the one who was in control of that. I can't believe you did that. Ethan stammered, shaking his head miserably as Galloway gently untied him. I can't believe that you wanted that. That you would let that happen. The things you said, the things you did, you wanted that. He cried out the last words as his voice broke. Ethan, I dash. She tried to take his hand, but he brushed hers away. Don't. He snapped at her. He started to cry. He collected his broken crutches and left the room with his butt on the ground, using the balls of his hands to scamper backwards in an awkward scramble that he had perfected years ago when he didn't want to bother with his crutches. His legs dragged behind him, kicking at the floor feebly. Ethan, let me help you. She hurried after him. Don't. Don't help me. His sobs distorted his words. 
Those monsters? While Quinn is in the hospital. I don't know you. He was surprisingly agile on his hands and disappeared in seconds into the hallway. Galloway didn't follow him. Not at first. She stood, frozen in her tracks for what felt like hours. Her shame was incredible, and she was sure the heat from the embarrassment that she felt would never pass. Galloway waited in silence and self-loathing, making sure Ethan had ample time to return to his apartment. Finally, she collected the last of her possessions, the ones that the punks hadn't pilfered, and she returned to her apartment. She needed to do something called the police, process what Chris had warned her about, figure out her next move. Her mind was in a fog. A shower. That was first. She was drenched in semen, spit, and urine, and she couldn't do anything unless she could clean herself up and let the hot water clear her head. As she headed across the kitchen, a slip of paper blew off the kitchen counter. She must not have noticed it this morning while she was getting ready for work. She picked it up and blinked. It was in Quinn's handwriting. You always have been, always are, and always will be the best part of my day. Galloway had no reaction at all. Her body running on autopilot. She started the shower water, set it to its hottest temp, stripped what little clothes hadn't been torn from her body, then climbed into the shower and sat her bare butt on the floor. You always have been, always are, and always will be the best part of my day. Quinn's words. I don't know you. Ethan's words. He hadn't been wrong. Galloway realized she didn't know herself either. She wrapped her arms around her knees and hugged them to her chest. That was when she began to cry. 2A. Should we call the police? Meg Richards was holding her son. She had been ever since he'd crawled home. She had dressed his injuries, then gone into their basement storage unit and retrieved some outdated crutches. Ethan had outgrown them about three years ago, but they would have to do for the time being. I don't care anymore. Ethan answered. His eyes were distant and haunted. The things he'd seen playing again and again. Meg knew that tone defeat. He truly didn't care anymore. He hadn't told her all of the details, but he'd told her enough. He'd walked in on a burglary, they'd beaten him up, and tied him down. The only reason he hadn't been terrified was because he'd known Galloway would be coming back shortly. But just when he was positive he'd be saved, she willingly gave herself over to them. Instead of dealing out some justice, she'd let those men disarm her, abuse her, disrespect her, and violate her. They treated her like complete trash, and she'd squealed in delight and begged for more. She had willingly fucked them in ways that Ethan hadn't imagined. And the pain he felt in his heart, he couldn't tell where that was from. He was jealous. But more so, he was hurt. She turned her back on everything that she believed in, everything that made her, her. On Quinn. On her training on her morals, on her self-respect, on her beliefs in the justice system. How could she make the world a better place as an officer if she fetishized criminals and those how hurt others? Ethan had been in love with her, and now she'd proven herself to be somebody completely different. Her entire makeup was lies. Who the hell was she? She could have stopped them, Mom. She could have stopped them, but she didn't, he said. His diaphragm was quivering, making his words jerky but his expression was still so far away. Instead, she just, she just. I know. Meg scooted closer and squeezed him tightly, hugging him. She'd helped Ethan into his bedroom and got him settled and comfy. He was staring blankly at the wall. His hot cocoa was untouched, growing cold. I'm just really glad you're safe. She held him. They lay for a while in complete silence. Meg rested her head on her son's chest, 
enjoying the soft rise and fall of his breathing and listening to the sound of his heart. She imaged that she could hear how broken it was. Is there anything I could do to make you feel better? She asked, her hand running in gentle circles around his stomach. There is, he said after some thought. Meg lifted her head. Anything, she said, staring into his eyes. She resisted the urge to bite her lip. Could you change your hair back? He asked, glancing at the deep auburn maroon that she dyed it for him to look more like Galloway. I like you better as you. I don't want to see you as her. It sort of broke her heart, but she understood. I will, sweetie. I'm sorry. She put her head back down and listened to the sound of his heart for a long time. Eventually his breathing slowed to a more relaxed state, and his heartbeat calmed. When she glanced up again, she saw that her son had dozed off. That was good. Sleep, Ethan. Sleep will make the pain go away. She put her head back down and hugged her son, feeling his breathing, enjoying his warmth. As she lay there, her mind grew restless. Her thoughts became invasive again, wonderfully so. She lifted her head again and looked curiously at Ethan. Even asleep, he no longer resembled the boy that she raised but the man that he was becoming. And handsome was definitely a word she would use to describe him. She put her head back down, nuzzling her cheek against his chest. Ethan's first true heartbreak. But it wouldn't always be like this. Someone would want him. Someone amazing. Because if Meg was his age, and not his mother, she would want him. They would have made an unlikely pair the shy bookworm boy with the crutches, and Meg the popular perky cheerleader. Ethan might not believe it, but she would have definitely noticed him. And she would be all too happy to pull him beneath the bleachers and give him the thrill of his life. She'd let him feel her beneath her skirt, let him slide off her panties, and let him fuck her senseless among the jungle of steel supports. Meg ran her hand in gentle little circles around Ethan's stomach, watching the steady rise and fall as he breathed softly in his sleep. Her eyes wandered to his crotch. His gym shorts were baggy across his skinny legs. She smiled, knowing what he had down there. She hadn't been able to stop thinking about it since the shower. With each gentle rub of his belly, Meg moved her hand lower. She bit her lip, wondering what he was dreaming about. Her hand moved down to the waistband of his shorts. She gently fingered the elastic with one stealthy slender finger. She barely moved, barely breathed. She listened for any changes in Ethan's breathing, in his heart beats. She moved her hand back up to his stomach and made another pass, rubbing softly, comfortingly. Then her hand came back around and went below his waistline. She moved it across his pelvis, and for just a moment, she felt the base of his manhood. Meg licked her lips, her own heart beating in her ears now. She returned her hand to his belly. It could have been an innocent mistake. Oops, and nothing more. But Ethan didn't stir. He'd had a long, exhausting, emotionally draining day. When Maggie glanced at him again, she saw his eyes were shut and his mouth was open lips parted cutely. Then she circled his belly once more and her hand slid between his legs. She rested her hand there, just rested it, nothing more. But she wouldn't be satisfied just doing that and she knew it. Her finger grew curious and began to trace along the outline of his slumbering cock. She was rewarded when she felt it grow. Maggie continued to glance between Ethan's innocent oblivious face and a merciful dreamless sleep, and his crotch. She could practically see the blood rushing to fill his cock, just at the gentle tickle of her wandering finger. With each nudge, the outline grew more and more prominent. Her heart was pounding as she brought his cock to life. Ethan's baggy gym shorts grew like a circus tent slowly being erected. She reached down and gave his pull a firm squeeze, 
before letting go. A small moan escaped Ethan's lips, but he otherwise didn't stir. Don't wake up, baby, she whispered to him and squeezed him again. His cock responded in kind, tensing and hardening in her grip. She gave a few soft strokes over his shorts to really inspire him. Another moan from Ethan's throat. His cock was rock hard by now. Meg could hardly restrain herself. She slid her hand up to Ethan's waistband, and after a moment's hesitation, slipped it stealthily underneath. Her fingers felt their way over his bare skin, through his curls of hair, until they discovered what they were seeking. Her fingers came to rest against the base of Ethan's bare meaty flesh pole. Meg's eyes widened as she traced her fingers around the base. He was a big boy. God had certainly gifted him something better than most men possessed. Meg's fingers closed around his shaft, and she softly and soothingly began to stroke her sleeping son. Ethan's eyes stayed shut, but his mouth closed. He licked his lips. A second later a small moan escaped again. Meg returned her attention to her son. She moved her hands easily up and down along his length. A small wet spot formed at the apex of the tent in his shorts. She'd managed to coax a drop of precum from him. She licked her lips, remembering the load that he'd unleashed in the shower, against her bare skin. She needed that again. She needed much more. Meg lowered her head slowly, carefully. Her hair trailed down his body as her head went from resting on his chest to resting on his belly. She listened to his breathing, her movements painfully deliberate and slow. Then she was almost nose to nose with his bulge, inhaling his manly scent. She tilted his erection upwards now until his bulge was pointing at her face. It was only an inch from her nose. She could nuzzle it. Her hand stroked and squeezed, very slow but very steady. As another wet spot formed, Meg reached out with her tongue and tasted the spread of saltiness. She was tasting her own son's baby-making formula. The flavor spurred something in her. She wanted Ethan more than she ever wanted anything. She could feel it could feel that between her thighs she was wet and slippery. He made her so wet. Meg eased the waistline of his shorts down until the head of his cock came free, resting on his tummy, extending to his belly button. Meg could no longer restrain herself with her face this close to her son's cock. She opened her lips and lowered her mouth down around it. At first she barely closed her lips around the head, only just grazing it. Her tongue flicked out and tickled his skin. Then she couldn't stop herself. Meg closed her lips around Ethan's manhood, and she started to softly suck, bobbing her head in slow little movements. His cock responded, throbbing happily, tensing and stiffening. Meg's hand rubbed his base, stroking him into her gentle suckles, rubbing and massaging his balls. Ethan moaned louder in his sleep, his mouth lolling open in pleasure. Meggie couldn't stop. She had crossed the line and there was no going back. She sucked harder, pushing Ethan's shorts down his waist and inching her mouth and body lower and lower. Her lips came up, leaving his shaft wet and coated in her saliva. Ethan's big heavy balls lifted with each stroke from her hand. Poor baby. He probably needed a release so badly. Meg wanted Ethan to release it in her mouth. But part of her also didn't. Part of her would be hungry for more, even if she'd brought her son to orgasm just like this. She'd swallow him down and still want another load. Meg lifted her head from her son's stomach and knelt between his legs. Her hair fell across her face, but now she was bobbing her head with a single-mindedness. She wasn't thinking about anything any longer. Not about him sleeping, not about what his reaction would be if he awoke, not about the repercussions of her actions, not about that he was her son, or his emotional state. She wasn't thinking about what kind of mother she was being. 
All she could think about was needing to feel him inside of her again and again. She needed him to come to her, to make love to her, to give her orgasm after orgasm, to pleasure each other for hours. Meg's lips and tongue moved like a blur, pulling at his shaft so hard that Ethan was now moaning louder. He was returning to the surface of sleep, and Meg didn't care. She couldn't bring herself to stop. She wouldn't. Her mouth made sloppy wet sucking noises as she bobbed her head fiercely on his swollen head, twisting her hand along his length and milking him into her lips. Ethan's eyes suddenly popped open. He was alarmed and disoriented. He didn't know what was going on, but the pleasure between his legs was incredible. Then he looked down. The bouncy playful mop of maroon hair moving between his legs. His cock enveloped with warmth and wetness. The hungry sucking sounds were unmistakable. At first Ethan didn't remember, and thought that it was Galloway. He'd fallen asleep and somehow she'd started sucking his penis in his sleep. But then he remembered, and the horror washed over him. It was his mother. He dozed off, cuddling with his mom, and she had started sucking his dick in his sleep. Mom! His voice was surprised, startled, and horrified, all at once. Meg brushed her hair from her face and peered up at him. Her expression lusty, apologetic and a little afraid he'd stop her, all at the same time. But still she never took his penis from her mouth. Her pink lips wrapped tightly around his shaft, claiming what she wanted for herself. What are you doing? he asked. But instead of answering, Meg gripped his shaft and dove straight down like a swimmer to the bottom of the pool. She plunged his cock as deep into her throat as she could, until her nose reached his belly and until her bottom lip met his balls. Ethan's questions and horror vanished in a gasp of pleasure and shock. Oh God! He moaned. His voice a conflicted mess of shame and pleasure. Mmmmhmmm. Maggie managed to choke out as she swallowed Ethan's throbbing cock. His member pulsing and twitching. Then she came up for air and before Ethan could recover his thoughts, she did it again and again. She deep-throated him in fast eager plunges over and over again. Each time that she did... Ethan's voice cried out in pleasure that he'd never known before. This was his first blow job, and he had no idea the feelings it could bring to his body. Ethan's pulse beat happily through his shaft. He wanted her to stop. He wanted it to not be true that his mother was sucking his cock. He wanted to go back to the days where he thought of her as his mother, and thought of himself as her son. Instead, all he felt was shame in the knowledge that his mother was a pervert. And as she sucked him, he realized that it felt so good— too good, he wanted it to stop, but not badly enough to stop her. It felt amazing and he wanted her to keep going, to keep sucking him, to make him come. He felt the shame in not only his mother, but himself. Because he wasn't going to make her stop. He was going to let his mother play with him, put him in her mouth, and do whatever she wanted. Oh mom! Ethan moaned, his head thumped back hollowly against the headboard. He propped his body up on his elbows so he could see. Uh Uh-huh! She moaned and gagged around his member. Mom, this is all. He grunted between words. Maggie wasn't slowing down. She was taking long eager pulls at her son's cock with her mouth, and he could barely find the words without moaning. This is, this is so wrong. Maggie deep-throated her boy once more, then came up to the top of his shiny engorged cock head. She kissed it warmly and slid her tongue in circles around it. But doesn't it feel good? Her hot breath teased him and drove him nuts. It feels good, but it feels wrong. He moaned as he watched his own mother dragging her tongue around his cock. Her expression had transformed from loving and concerned to lusty and vivid. 
Sometimes the things that feel wrong also feel the best. She said and gripped his shaft, kissing along the underside, staring up at him until she reached his balls. She tenderly kissed each one, using her tongue and lips, then made her way back up to the head. Ethan had to grip the sheets. The intensity of his mother's mouth was growing to the point where she was utterly ravaging him on his bed. Suddenly his colorful bed sheets didn't seem so innocent. Everything around him felt forever tainted by this act of sin. But God he was powerless to stop it, to stop her, to stop himself. She spit on his dick and began to aggressively stroke him. Oh mom, oh my God! He panted. Call me a slut. She urged him. Oh God! I don't think I can. He whimpered, terrified. She stroked him harder, more aggressively, even then when they were in the shower. Do it, Ethan, she insisted. I'm a slut. A filthy fuck slut. And I want your cock. Ethan shut his eyes. The emotional pain in his expression was apparent. He did not want to say such things to his mom. But after a second, he did. You're a slut, mom. A big slut. Meg squealed in delight and climbed to her knees. Ethan's heart was pounding as he watched his mother open her robe. Beneath, she was dressed in her usual sleep-time attire. A t-shirt and underwear. But it was tight, straining against her breasts. Her hard nipples pressing through the fabric. Meg peeled it off. One by one she discarded her clothes on his floor until his mother was knelt before him on the bed, completely naked. His cock watched pointing straight up to the ceiling, twitching excitedly. Meg returned her hand to it, like she couldn't keep away from it for long. This is incredible, Ethan. I've been going crazy thinking about you. She climbed into his lap until she was straddling him. We're going to be so happy with this new arrangement from now on. She guided his cock toward her smooth bare pussy, and bucked her hips forward and back, wetting the head of his cock with her essence. Ethan was horrified by what she was saying, but his eager hormones were betraying his common sense, his sense of right and wrong. All he knew were his primal and most basic urges urges of lust and mating. He would come to hate himself later for not uttering a word of protest as Meg lowered her body onto Ethan's solid erection. She sat down on him, completely engulfing his penis with the same vagina that had made him. She was tight. Ethan was scared. But little by little, her pussy opened up and welcomed him into her body. Then they began the mating ritual that had made Ethan in the first place. He moaned as his perky pretty elf-like mother began to ride him. The feeling was incredible. Warm, soothing wetness moving steadily up and down his shaft. He stared down his body, his cock disappearing in and out of his mother, her thick bare thighs on either side of his skinny frame. Ethan couldn't stop himself. He reached out and began to touch them, to caress them, to rub them. He followed her belly higher, her perky tits bouncing, her hard nipples pointing straight at him. And staring back at him, the pretty face of his mom. Her mouth was open and she was exhaling each time she sank back on his cock. She was so wet. There was no denying how good it felt. Ethan's hands traveled up her legs and held her by the hips. He let it happen. Let his mother move her body with his. Ethan's hips bucked up into her each time she settled down onto his cock, driving himself deeper. What are you doing? His mind asked him again and again. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? But Ethan made no effort to stop. His brain and his cock in a conflict. And his cock was guiding his movements. Oh, Ethan. She moaned and purred, licking her lips. You're so big. You're even bigger than your father was. 
She gasped and let her hands wander up her body, caressing herself, squeezing her breasts, then roaming up her chest, up her neck. Her eyes were shut. She ran her fingers through her own hair and leaned her head back to the ceiling to moan. Her movements were like a dancer on Ethan's cock. Her body moving in ways that Ethan had never seen a woman move before, let alone his own mother. She started to roll her hips with movements like the ocean, a steady ceaseless back and forth. Oh mom, Ethan cried out. Yes baby, yes baby. Her son's voice made her movements more excited, more urgent. She grasped Ethan's hands and forced them to her chest, crushing them over her firm breasts. Her hard nipples pressed into his palms, and Ethan squeezed as she held them there. Her bounces became faster, longer, rougher. Ethan couldn't stop himself. He rubbed her tits, played with them, squeezed and pinched. Each new movement sent Meg into squeals of delight. Fuck me, baby. Fuck me. Fuck me, Ethan. Meg panted and leaned forward, hovering her bouncing boobs in front of her son's shocked face. She ran her fingers through his hair and grabbed him by the back of the head, thrusting his face into her chest. Suck them, Ethan. She panted. She felt Ethan's lips part, then felt her nipple being sucked into his warm mouth. She cooed with pleasure, bouncing her plump ass harder on his lap. Their movements sending wet smacking sounds rolling through the apartment. Ethan licked and sucked at her nipples. Meg could feel his mouth. He was trembling. She found that adorable. The feeling drove her wild. She threw her head back and screamed with pleasure, even as the orgasm took hold. Her body quivered and she threw her all into it. Ethan's cock a blur as she made it disappear and reappear with such fast, desperate vigor. Ethan's hands went to her ass. He felt her. He hung on for his life the entire situation out of his control. Then she leaned over her son, caressed the side of his face, and began to kiss him. Ethan could barely catch his breath or recover his wits. He was scared. Everything about what was happening felt so weird. Good, but also so incredibly taboo. He knew there was no going back to seeing this woman as his mother. The image he had of her was now forever tarnished. Her tongue wiggled into his mouth and wrestled his. There was an urgency about it. He wanted to kiss her, but not like this. He wanted to kiss a woman, but not his mother. The conflict was beyond his comprehension. The kiss so passionate, yet it felt so wrong, so unnatural. Unfortunately his lust and his cock ruled his actions. He was bucking her like crazy in his lap. He couldn't tear his mouth away from hers, and he was ashamed to admit that his tongue was playing right back with hers. Their faces so close, their breathing so fast that they were practically sharing air. Her perky breasts pressed into his chest, and her hair surrounded his face, tickling him on all sides. The bed bounced on its springs. The headboard thundered against the wall. His brain screamed at him over and over that he was losing his virginity. He couldn't believe it. And it was with his own mother equally as unbelievable. And it was happening in such a wild and thunderous and energetic way, the sex like a movie. He had no idea he was capable of fucking a woman like this. Beside the bed, things fell from the nightstand. A photo, a stack of books, his alarm clock, the hot cocoa that had turned cold crashed, the mug broke and the mess was everywhere. Still they didn't stop. Meg's mouth and body were unrelenting, using her son for her own sexual pleasure. Yes, Ethan, yes! She screamed against his lips. He suddenly felt his cock start to tense up. The wetness that engulfed him was moving too fast, feeling too good. He was inching dangerously close to the edge and he knew it. Mom, slow down. He moaned against her lips. No, baby. I can't stop. 
Not now. She moaned back. Mom. I'm going to. His body started to stiffen as he knew what was to come. It's okay, baby. It's okay. Let it happen. Come in me, Ethan. Come in my tummy. He shook his head, trying to wiggle free from beneath his mother's relentless humping. His expression was alarm. It's okay. She continued to coo. It's okay. You can come in my body. I want you to. I need you to. Please. Do it for mommy. Her expression lusty and desperate. Her tits shook in front of his face. Her hips were rolling and sashaying from side to side between her bounces. She was desperately milking his shaft. He tried to stop it. His toes curled. He let go of her for a moment, gripping the bedsheets and biting his own lip, trying to hold back a flood. It was inevitable. Ethan had the overwhelming feeling that something bad would happen if he climaxed inside of her. Please, she begged. Do it. Come for mommy, my big boy. Ethan felt sudden panic at his mother's unnatural request. No! He screamed and at the last second, grabbed her hips and lifted her off of him. Despite his skinny body, his arms were very strong, and his mother was small and light. He withdrew from her womb at the last possible moment. But his alarm wasn't enough to prevent the orgasm. There was a moment of blinding pleasure and intense guilt as the first rope of cum shot from his excited manhood. It splashed across her juicy round ass. The next ones followed shortly after. Meg moaned and writhed and threw her hair back from her face as she felt her son coating her naked bottom with his baby batter. Ethan struggled to catch his breath, and Meg was moaning out of control. His cock continued to rocket spurt after spurt from his balls, until his mother's ass was covered with a hearty coating of cum. Oh my god! He cried out in shame. Oh my god! Meg echoed, panting in her lusty voice she dropped off of him and landed beside him on the bed. Oh my god! Ethan sat bolt upright. He cried out in horror. Meg was naked, in a post-orgasm bliss that Ethan did not share. He had just fucked his mother. He'd fucked her. Not only did he not know Galloway, but he didn't know his own mother or himself. He felt completely alone now. The people he trusted the most were strangers to him. From somewhere in the back of his brain, his mind echoed what Galloway had said to him after he'd caught her in her depraved gangbang. That wasn't me. It was Rob. He's doing something. Something that makes us do things we wouldn't ordinarily do. Ethan had completely dismissed that remark at the time as insane nonsense from a woman who was ashamed to have her true self revealed. But as he looked at his mother, laying naked and coated with a hearty layer of his own cum, Ethan couldn't help but feel that was truer than their debauchery being authentic. That was amazing, baby. Meg cooed softly, curling up with her head on his pillow. She draped her leg over Ethan's and slowly began to slide it back and forth like his new lover. No! No, it wasn't! He scrambled out from beneath her and pulled up his shorts. Where are you going? She propped herself up on one arm. Out! Ethan grabbed up his replacement crutches. He was unsteady on them at best, but he didn't care. He just needed to get away. When will you be back? Ethan ignored her. He hurried for the door of the apartment. He didn't know what he was going to do, but he was scared. He wanted his mother back. Continue in the next part.